Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. I was just checking the weather. The rain's coming back. <laughs> it was getting a bit warmer out here. I was wondering. We've we sort of been alternating between uh, uh, fall and, and summer and winter, and it's sort of been a little bit of everything as we uh, as we try and pull this all together. Oh, chairs. Every uh, uh, chair got to get stuck to the rug and you can't move it. I can, I can move my desk. Got to coordinate my my uh, my other stuff and see if I can get this going. Anyway, let's uh, let's get to uh, uh, Brianna Cannon, who's on the line here as we start our government inquiry. Uh, hour or as much uh, as she has time to do because there's so much going on. Uh, Brianna, did you ever imagine when, when you uh, started working with us about a month or so ago, or however long it's been, I, I lose track of time, that there would be so much news, so many things to choose from to talk about that uh, you never have to worry about, you know, our decision is what not to talk about. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. All right. So what's going on? What's uh, what's on your mind this week and uh, what, news events, things like that, and then we'll get into the, the deep discussions that we always get into. So what's uh, what's what's impressed you so far uh, of the news? Um, so the one thing that I saw, um, and I just, whenever I saw it, I wanted mm-hmm. to see if you had any of your deep questions that nobody's ever thought of <laughs> that you are famous for. And You're wonderful. I was like, really what about this? would people not be saying? And and the whole entire, like, headline of it and stuff was about, like, um, in New York City, there was a shelter for mm-hmm. immigrants. Mm-hmm. But there – and it was, like, I think it said, like, video games and snacks and stuff like that kind of – it kind of seemed like a great big lounge. Or like yeah, sure immigrants. did. Boy, I wish I had that when I was traveling Europe and, and bumming around I'm, with a backpack. <laughs> that would be pretty nice, but, yeah. <laughs> And okay, there's yeah. like a, a big blow up of it. You know, they're doing this for immigrants, but nothing for their own people on the street. Hmm. How about that? So I just wanted to have any. Well, no, I'm going to ask you because this is a great, great topic. First of all, thank you for the compliments. I really oh. appreciate it. And, and the fact that you're thinking, you know, what's not being reported? You know, what's the big picture here? That's that's fabulous. And anything, if I can uh, hopefully influence you the right way uh, in looking at things, you know, beyond what everybody else is looking at, that's really great. So I appreciate that a lot. Let's let's talk first of all about what you said. Um, are these immigrants? That are in the shelter? Yeah. Are they immigrants? I mean, just because somebody's here in the country, does that make them immigrants? See, this is a huge point. You know, I'm I'm leading to something when I ask you a question like this, right? This is one of those questions you just asked about, or you just said that I do. Okay, here it is. Are they immigrants? (laughs) This is why I love having you on, by the way. Go ahead. Take your time. It's okay. Um, you know, I have no proof. But it says that they are. Mm. And we we always believe everything we read in the news. <laughs> I'm having fun with you. Well, let's 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 do it. Let's do it. The uh, uh, what I usually call my my logic and reason filter. And so the logic and reason filter is: is it logical and is it reasonable and does it make sense like normal people once we strip away all the propaganda the the prejudice the uh, the guilt trips the manipulation and all the other things what is an immigrant by the way I'm one 
What is an immigrant? Uh, somebody who travels. Oh. Mm. See, this is fascinating. Okay, so so I'm not I'm not going to pick on you, but I, I am going to point out something that I think is is amazing. Is that this is how the this is how propaganda works. This is the perfect example. So when they say an illegal immigrant, it actually is blurring two terms: illegal alien and lawful immigrant. So what is a lawful immigrant? How does one get to be an immigrant to the United States? Um, I guess you have to be like really specific on those terms. Well, let's say, say you want to immigrate to France, for example. If you wanted to become French, just just pick it out of the blue. All right, how how would you go about learning how to become a French immigrant? Where's the first place you'd go, or talk to, or email, or call up? What's France's representative in the United States? I have no idea. This is a great topic, then. I love it. This is fascinating. Um, how about the French consulate or the French embassy? Mm. Because if you go to France, what are you going to need? need? Application, right? You're going to need an application for immigration and the rules and things you're going to have to follow. I mean, you can look it up online, too. You know, what are the, what are the uh, um, requirements... For, for citizenship in France. I'll tell you the first one is learning French. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you wanted to be a lawful immigrant to another country, you've got to find out what the requirements are, right? You've got to apply. And then what do yeah. you have to be? Then you have to be approved, right? You have to be invited. So a lawful immigrant is somebody that goes through a nation's immigration policy. Now, our policies are defined by Congress, where it says in the Constitution that Congress shall make, as Article 1, Section 8, um, what is it? Uh, uniform rules of naturalization. So in other words, naturalization is the process by which someone becomes a citizen. It also says immigration too. So let me just let me pull that up here. I get the exact wording so I don't I'm not good with the exact words you can tell. So I like keep referring to this stuff. So that would be Article One, Section Eight. At least I know where to find it. Uh, so it should say uniform rules of let me see if it's regulate commerce. To, uh, here we go. To establish a, an uniform it should be a uniform rule. You don't have an uh, that's an old British. You know what it says an historic? Have you ever seen that before in grammar? It's ahistoric. The only time it's an, an historic is when the H is silent, which is the way the British pronounce things. Okay, just, I digress. To establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies. Okay, so it says uniform rule of naturalization. So in other words, the states do not issue their own independent citizenships uh, different than the other states. So that's why they have uniform rules. That's it. <laughs> that, that's, that's as far as it goes. But anyway, Congress has developed laws for immigration. So you could say you got to go to a U.S. consulate or apply to a consulate or, you know, get an application or you could probably do it online now. But it goes to a consulate and they go, hmm, Brianna Cannon, you know, citizen of Uruguay, you're interesting. You do stuff that we need here. You know, well, let's consider making you an immigrant. And then you have to uh, be invited to the country, and then you become a permanent resident, you get a green card, and five years later you can talk about becoming a citizen. The whole goal of immigration is to create U.S. citizens of good people who add to this country. Immigration is not for the immigrants. Not. It's for Americans to make our country better. So my folks came here, they had to bring in new things. My, my dad was, was attempting to be an entrepreneur. He wasn't particularly successful at it, but at least he tried. There's no guarantee of success when you try and start businesses. Trust me, I know. <laughs> anyway, but the point is, that if you're going to be an immigrant, you've got to add something to the country, you make it better, and you follow a procedure. 
which leads to the next question. Did any of the people currently in that shelter, that hotel shelter in New York, do what we just talked about? Ooh, we, you got a dog there? Are you, are you yeah. wrestling with the with the critter? Oh. No, we, they're wrestling with each other. Oh, can we can we escort the critter Anyways. out of the room? <laughs> Occasional dog. Yeah, bark, give me mind. just one minute. Oh yeah, go ahead. Only only something really quickly right here, back. and we'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. See how we do that? I can sneak in my commercial breaks while we're, we're doing stuff. And, and just to let folks know, you already know if you're on my Facebook page, but I just renewed my flight instructor certificate again, so I'm now good for two more years. So as soon as I, as soon as I can get back flying again, when we get some sponsors to the show, uh, I'll be able to teach as well, and that's going to be kind of fun. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I want to do like specialty instruction. I want to teach people after they have the certificates. I want to teach them how to really fly, <laughs> you know, not the FAA-restricted way, but that's I'm not breaking rules or anything. I'm talking about maximizing the airplane and maximizing your capability as a pilot. And that is not something that standard FAA training is designed to do. But that's another subject, and that's why I wrote my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction, which I just advertised with my own promo. Brianna, welcome back from uh, dog training. What do we got? (laughs) (laughs) You want to learn to fly? Always, but I don't meet the eyesight requirements. So. <laughs> Neither do I. In fact, I, at, at uh, 16, I had 20/10 vision. It doesn't get better than that. At 19, um, I had uh, I was like 2100, and so there went the Air Force career. Uh, so I tried civilian, and then I tried to fly for the airlines, and I couldn't afford flight school. And when I finally did get to afford flight school, it was the late 80s, and I had all my ratings and, and everything by uh, 1992. Uh, I was all set to, to go to the airlines, hopefully. But that's when they all went broke, and there were no jobs, and they laid off thousands and thousands of pilots. So my timing's not really good. Apparently, Action Radio is. Now, at this point, I just want to fly my own jet. So uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get you up in a jet one day. I'll come winging into Oklahoma and, uh, and, and, and scoop you in the backseat of my Viper jet fighter-like uh, military aircraft, and we will loop and roll and do crazy things. Sound good? Definitely. Okay, good. All right, let's get back to immigration. So, the, 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 so an immigrant is a lawful procedure. So these people in the country today, are they, has the federal government followed this procedure, the lawful procedure to make these people immigrants? Obviously, that's a rhetorical question. No. Exactly. No. So are they even <laughs> A lot of times we can't figure it out. <laughs> What's that now? A lot of times we can't figure it if it's like a direct or rhetorical. <laughs> oh, with me? Yeah. Well, that's, that's part of the fun of being here. You can always ask me. You know, it's a, are you serious with that question? <laughs> I'll say yes or no. <laughs> it just depends. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of the fun of it. So so as you become weaker and pithier with your uh, retorts, then then feel free to be as sarcastic as me. It's it's really a lot of fun. And then I won't know what you're saying, which will be you know fair. Um, so these 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 folks that are coming in, how about asylum? Do you know how asylum works? 
political refugees, things like that. Are you asking me? Yes, I am. It's only us here. Oh. So um, I don't know everything about it, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's where, like, you, you're not an actual citizen, but you can stay in the country if you have, like, a danger or feel fear for your life or something if you mm-hmm. go back. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. So in other words, you're going to be persecuted, prosecuted, or executed. You know, you're, there's something that you're in fear of something because of your political beliefs or something about you that the government can't stand. And so it, it would be a danger for you to be in your country. Now, the first rule of asylum seeking is that you go to the available country where you can get into. Well, that's not us. <laughs> you know, unless, unless people from Mexico or Canada are seeking asylum, and as much as those countries are becoming, you know, more fascist all the time, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of folks that where there's a direct threat to their, uh, their life um, for what they believe. Although there's a lot of repression going on in Canada and Mexico, it's not, it's not quite the same thing as some countries. Like Iran, especially the treatment of women in Iran, I mean, it's deadly right now. That's, that's where asylum seekers, you know, need to come from. Um, but where you go is the next available country country borders you. So if you're trying to get out of uh, Venezuela, uh, your next stop would be Colombia or Brazil. It would not be the United States, even though we have thousands upon thousands of Venezuelans coming here every day. So they're not, so they're not immigrants. We've established that. Uh, these people, unless they're Canada or Mexico, you know, and they can demonstrate persecution, they're not asylum seekers. So what are they? What's left? Illegal aliens. Exactly. See, I need to be good at this. So illegal aliens. So are, are <laughs> illegal aliens immigrants? No. So is there any such thing as illegal immigration? Um, see, the thing is, whenever I was learning the definition of immigration, it's... Mm-hmm moving from one place to another foreign place. Because mm-hmm. migration is common in everything nature. They move place. So I always learned of immigration just moving one from one place to one foreign place. Mm-hmm. But when you add it into like your idea about the laws and stuff, um, putting in like immigration, it changes. Mm-hmm. Because there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. Do you want to expand on that? I think, so I think if you come into a country illegally, I don't think immigration can stand alone. I think it would have to have illegal immigration. I think that if you said illegal immigrant, I think it would work with with the definition that it has, but I don't know. Okay. Well, let me give, yeah, you, I'll think... give you my idea and tell me what you think. And again, you don't have to think what I think. Uh, I just throw it out there um, because I think about this stuff all the time. It's crazy. Um, to me, this is propaganda. To, see an, to say an illegal immigrant blurs the distinction between an illegal alien and a lawful immigrant, which is exactly why the left does it. They want you saying words like illegal immigrant. They want you saying words like fossil fuel. They want you saying all kinds of, of different things. You know, January 6th insurrection. It's all because it's like, uh, or, or a gun crime. Well, guns don't commit crimes. Someone has to pick it up and use it. You know, and all these things are designed to blur 
uh, we need common sense gun control to stop criminals. Well, criminals, you know, don't follow laws. So all these things are designed to blur distinctions in your head to do exactly um, what we were talking about this morning. So that you're thinking to yourself, huh, well, what is an immigrant? What is an illegal alien? That's why this is done. So the way I see it, there is no such thing as an illegal immigrant. There is only a lawful immigrant and an illegal alien. And an illegal alien has nothing to do with immigration. Nothing. Because immigration is a lawful process. It's like lawful gun ownership. People who are criminals have nothing to do with the Second Amendment. They have nothing to do with lawful gun ownership. They're not included in the Second Amendment because the Second Amendment does not include use. Right? It includes keeping and bearing. And it can't include use because they're lawful and unlawful. Same thing here. Illegal aliens are not immigrants because an immig- immigrant is a law. Make sense so far? Yes. Okay, good. That's the scariest thing I've heard all day. Let me continue. <laughs> so then if we expand this, so who are these people then? They're illegal aliens, but they're really criminals, right? They broke no. the law. Do they have rights in this country? No. Well, they shouldn't. But. Ah, oh, that's, that's, that's a really good point. They don't and they shouldn't, but in, many people think they do. So how would you answer that question? Do illegal aliens have rights in this country? Um, no, because you have to be a citizen. Because the government well, protects the rights of the citizens, the governed. Pretty much. Uh, the only exception I'd say is, is permanent residence. So in other words, if, if you've been invited in, if you're a lawful immigrant and a permanent resident with a green card, you have almost the same rights as a citizen, but you can't vote and you can't serve on a jury. But Because I was, I had a green card for years. So I'm kind of familiar but with But a green process. card leads up to citizenship at a point, right? You're not a citizen with a green card. No, you are a permanent resident. In other words, you, you can still be kicked out if you screw up. No, I'm saying like whenever law. you have a green card... It uh-huh. leads up to you eventually getting citizenship. Not necessarily. A lot of people keep green cards forever. They, they remain permanent residents. That's not the goal of the program, but it's, there's no penalty for doing so. You can stay on a green card. Well, the point I was trying to like, make is like, there is a potential where they can be able to have all the same rights. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So green card, I think it's after, at least it was yeah. when I was doing it. It was five years. If you're a permanent resident for five years and you don't you know, screw up, break the law, you know, go on a bunch of welfare and do things like that, uh, then you can apply for citizenship. So now, yeah. who are these people in New York? Illegal the, aliens. Exactly, which makes them criminals, right? So now, now let's ask the question the way it should be asked. Why is New York funding criminals in luxury tent apartments with Wi-Fi, uh, nice beds, three meals, culturally appropriate cuisine. Did you hear that line? Culturally appropriate cuisine? They're serving South American meals? Isn't that nice? So why are we... Re- now, all right, let's, let's ask again. Uh, have you heard of the crime of uh, what's called aiding and abetting? If you aid and abet a crime or accessory to a crime, do you know what that means? Yes. Okay, good. So just for those out there who are wondering about this, so in other words, if you drive the car that carries the bank robbers to the bank, you know, and they get in your car after the bank robbery and they drive away, even if you just carry them to the bank and they catch a cab after that, you're an accessory. You provided, you took part in the, whether you robbed the bank or not, you were there. 
you know, I think you could be charged with murder if one of the the uh, the, the bank robbers actually kills somebody. So that makes you an accessory. So if the government, you know where I'm going with this, right? If the government is bringing criminals into the country, are they not aiding and abetting illegal aliens and a felony every time they let somebody come in? With so now, that, I mm-hmm. have a spinning question. Oh, one moment. Please do. My dad's trying to call me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I can wait. Should I play another commercial? Yeah, probably. Sorry. Okay, watch that. Okay, talk to him. I'll be right back in a minute. I'll, I'll just mute you for a second, and I'll, I'll get you right back again. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments, and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Um, Brianna's having challenges this morning. First we had the dogs and then (laughs) then her father calls. Uh, Brianna's in high school for those that haven't figured out. Uh, and so, uh, is all well? Don't put your dad on the line, and we can, we can, he can call the show. He can talk to you directly here, and the rest of us will listen in. Oh, good. Okay, good. All right. Looks like Pianchi's on the line, so he wants to uh, chat with you as well. Uh, Pianchi, do you want to add to our, our conversation here? Yeah, I was uh, curious. You may mention that they are fed a what kind of cuisine? Oh, they get South American cuisine. They got culturally appropriate cuisine. That's all part of the eating and abetting illegal alien felons in our in our basically our illegal alien welfare system. Oh, you like that term, Brianna? Oh my goodness! Illegal alien welfare system. <laughs> Pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, really the newspapers, oh, go ahead. newspapers describe them as being migrants. Okay, let's talk about migrants. That's a really good point, Brianna. Hold your question just for a second because I, I had forgotten to make that point. Brianna, do you know the difference between an immigrant and a migrant? Um, well, I just think of a migrant, like, kind of like bird migration. I've never put much thought on the difference between immigrant and migrant. <laughs> bird migration is really close. Yeah, it actually, you no, know, it's, it's pretty similar. And you can always say you don't know. I mean, you know, the only reason I know this stuff is, is I look it up before the show. <laughs> That's the only reason. An immigrant is someone that lawfully comes into the country through the procedure we talked about. A migrant is someone that usually comes for work. They're in the, in the country temporarily. They do whatever job it is that needs doing, uh, and then they go home. So these migrants, if they're really migrants, then they're all going home. I don't think that's the plan. <laughs> so that's what a migrant is. So calling these people migrants is just as bad as calling them illegal uh, uh, immigrants because it's, it's not true. It's not a correct term. Make, make that's sense? That's why it's bird migration because they always exactly. come back home. They do. They come back home. So what we need to do is we should tell uh, Brandon, it's time for them to go home. They've had their migration. <laughs> <laughs> Piaki, you had a point? 
Oh, was, okay. Oh, Brianne had a question. I'm sorry. All right, Brianne, let's get to your question then. Bird migration, you're hysterical. So, <laughs> so with aiding and abetting this, uh-huh. what is the punishment for the government? I mean, for the people, they'll just, you know, get sent back, you know, and deportation. Because they're doing something illegal. They should but be deported. For the right. government, yes. Uh-huh. But sure. for what about for our government? What would the individuals and because it's hard to say, oh, the government as a whole, because there's different things that people mm-hmm. have in this. So what would the punishment be for those government um, representatives? Maybe that's the term I'm looking for? Well, it's a good question. You've got, you've got people involved. You've got the mayor, who's an elected official. You've got the governor. Uh, you've got the various city council, county commission, uh, state representatives. Uh, you've got the people who are actually working there. You've got the administrators. You've got the regulators. You've got a bunch of different people that are involved with this. I, I think they're all guilty <laughs> you know, to a certain extent. Uh, you've got the police that are guarding it. Um, so there's many levels. But the biggest problem with government is this thing called immunity, where they, you know, they cannot be prosecuted carrying out their duties. So the government, and this is where it's wrong, and this is where, where we need to write some legislation. We need to make government people more liable. Uh, for their actions, if what they're doing is criminal. Now, they can still, government officials can still be prosecuted for fraud and other things like that if they commit a crime. Fraud, bribery, you know, treason, um, extortion, you know, embezzlement, things like that. They'll still be prosecuted for regular crimes, tax evasion. But the problem is it doesn't happen very often because the government protects the government people. But in a case like this, where it's a government program, uh, it's going to have to come from the courts. And the courts have demonstrated overwhelmingly that a bunch of weenies. You know, the Supreme Court especially, which should have taken the Texas case, and thrown out the, the Brandon electors in favor of Trump electors and, and just ruled on the entire uh, vote fraud that was so obvious. Uh, I made a comment yesterday. You know, people keep saying, well, there's no evidence of vote fraud. I said, well, that's like, uh, you know, living 100 feet underground and saying, well, there's no evidence of sunshine. Well, yeah, but you're 100 feet underground. You've never looked. <laughs> you know? And so that's the point of that. I don't know this question because this is something I think uh, uh, all of us have to work on is, is appropriate government um, – liability for breaking the law, you know, fines, imprisonment is, is what we usually use for criminals. So that we have to take away the immunity and actually structure a criminal uh, series of statutes to put people away from stuff like this. But I think that's the only answer. Brianna, what do you think? Yeah, you, you can ask. Okay. You want to think about it? That's fine. Pianchi, I mean, where else do we go? Obama also called them undocumented. Well, that's another term, too. That's been out for a while. Um, so, Brianna, what do you think of that term? Undocumented uh, immigrant or undocumented worker is another good one because I have no idea if they're going to work or not. can't work here. That's illegal, too. That's, you know, but anyway, what do you think of the term undocumented? How does that play in? Um, I think that's one of those new terms that the left created to make criminals sound better. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's interesting. You talk to Josie and she'll talk about this because uh, she has a lot of uh, friends and experience in Central and South America. These people throw their IDs out. Now, is there? Any, do you think there's anybody in this world in 2022, or maybe in some of the really, really, really most remote places, uh, but do you think there's anybody um, that doesn't have their birth recorded somehow, some way, either handwritten in a book or something? I mean, is there anybody really today that... Well, is there anybody today that isn't documented somehow? Most people with a birth certificate, or as Pianchi pointed out, people used to write family names uh, in the Bible. Is there any truly in this world today completely 
undocumented, where nobody knows who they are. They have no name. They have no family. They have no country. They have no religion. They have nothing. Is anybody really undocumented? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, and like the DACA, remember? He also had uh, that, that program, DACA. Well, those remember are undocumented. Uh, remember, those are illegal aliens. Let me, let me get back to Brianna on this question. Though. DACA children. Yeah, undocumented. In other words, well, that's a good Let me ask that one next, but uh, let's get to undocumented. Is that an excuse, Brianna? Um, an excuse for who? Coming into the country? So well, I'm, undoc- I'm undocumented. I don't have an ID. Oh. You, know, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just me. Let me in the country. Um, yes, I think that would count as an excuse, but ah. I mean, it, it, well. it's still illegal. It doesn't really justify anything. And, and usually like an excuse is used to like justify or be able to do something, but you know, it's still wrong. It, it doesn't actually work as an excuse because, you know, it's still a crime. Right. But, so should we, I mean, let, should we let people in? It's wrong. Yeah. Should we let people Maybe in who are undocumented then? That's the question. No. Okay. Well, I mean. We don't let Americans yeah, no. in without a passport. We don't let foreign nationals in without a passport. Mm-hmm. Why should we let people at our border just walk in without any documentation whatsoever? That seems a bad I was, I, was I was thinking like, well, I mean, if we let them in, you know, you just deport them. But, you know, that takes a lot of resources. So, you know, they'll belong. But well, they're undocumented. You don't even know who they are. How do you know who they are if they're undocumented? How do you trace them? How do you set them up for an immigration hearing? How do you do anything if they're, un- they're undocumented? My solution is to send them back for their documents. So, sorry, if you're undocumented, go home. Go get your documents. Come on back. That's what I would do. <laughs> Pianki? You talk about DACA. Uh, Brianna, did you know about the DACA program? I've heard about it, but I never looked into it or okay. know much of anything so, about it. Let me give you a brief synopsis. So DACA, uh, Deferred Action for Children of Aliens, or for whatever it stands for, I've forgotten. These are kids that were brought here uh, by their Childhood parents. Childhood arrival. Child, okay, child arrival. Thank you. Uh, they're brought here illegally. So illegal alien parents bring their illegal alien kids across our border, <laughs> or they have them here, but that's birthright citizenship. That's another question. So we have these illegal alien kids that are here, and what uh, – what the leftists say is, well, they came through no fault of their own. Their parents brought them. You know, we should make them citizens and let them stay. Brianna? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Should we let them stay? I mean, they were just kids when they came here, right? It's not their fault. Um, so I, I know in Cuba when they, were, they had, like, children come over, I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure how that worked at that time or what the legal statute was on children. I know, like, if you were born here, you can become a citizen, but I don't think that children can just because they come over. But well, I don't actually, really know the laws on this. Yeah, yeah, birthright citizenship, okay. we'll talk in a minute. That's a whole other topic, but it's, it's important, and it relates to everything we're talking about. So the children of, of illegal aliens that are here, uh, they were brought here as minors. They were underage. And, uh, of course, the argument is this is the only country they've known. Uh, they should stay here because it wasn't their fault their parents brought them here. And, of course, my answer is going to be, well, I'll give you it in a minute. I want to see what Pianchi has to say. Daka, Pianchi, what do you think? 
he's there thinking. Everybody's thinking this morning. I was more fun when the dogs were yelling and you, <laughs> your father called. That was good. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll give you my impression. I guess Pianchi's muted himself for a bit. So my situation, my, well, my thinking on this is, is very simple. Those illegal alien children, upon their 18th birthday, became illegal alien adults and were therefore responsible to fess up and say, my parents brought me here illegally. I want to know how to make this right. And I don't think hardly any of them did that. Those that did not do that should go home to their home country and apply for American citizenship. I don't care how long they've been here. Oh, gee, Greg, that's harsh. Exactly. And why is it harsh? So that others don't do exactly the same thing with their kids. Bring them here illegally. We've got to stop this nonsense. And the way you stop this nonsense is you send the people home who became adults, didn't fess up, go home to their home country, and, uh, and they don't know how to they don't know the language. Of course they know the language. Their parents taught them the language. Idiots, don't be stupid about that. Anyway, so that's how, that's how I do it. And the reason you make these, parent, these, these punishments severe and harsh is so that more people don't do it. Now, is this victimizing? Uh, if they're adults, they stay here. They should have known better. Every day past an 18th birthday that an illegal alien that came here as a child stays here, they're making a conscious decision to stay in this country illegally as an adult. I don't care if they came here as children. It's just the same as if they crossed the border. It's exactly the same. Brianna? What would your stance be on just the children who are still children? Like, let's say it's been, like, two years or something, and mm-hmm. they're still children. Yeah, well, if they're still children, there's still the mm-hmm. responsibility of their parents, and you send the whole family home. Ooh, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, well, Give me more. Hey. This is fun. What else you got? Come on, Brianna. What else you got? Um, <laughs> you don't have anything else. Can... Okay. Let's talk about birthright citizenship. Is there such a thing as birthright citizenship? If you're, and Pianchi and I have talked about this a lot, so we're, we're already well-versed uh, in this topic, but I want to hear what you have to say. If somebody is born on U.S. soil to foreign nationals, to illegal aliens, to children of ambassadors, to anybody that just happens to be here, to people who are here in a foreign military, are those people born on U.S. soil American citizens? Remember, the parents um, are non-American. I'm pretty sure they are, but I do not know the exact law. Okay. Apparently nobody does, <laughs> except for a few of us that actually read it. Uh, what would you think, though? I, I would think probably... Okay. Probably not. Because? Because their parents are illegal, and they mm-hmm. came into this country illegally. Mm-hmm. Well, not even just how about foreign tourists? How about the birthright tourism, where people fly in from China and Russia and Indonesia and all these places? They fly in, give birth, register kids as Americans, and then go home. Sign up for welfare, social security, and everything else. Is that legal? Um, well, I don't. Is it? Is it? Should it be legal? Because <laughs> it's being done all the time. The question is. Is it, well, let's go with the Constitution. I can have the 14th Amendment in front of me. So, is it legal? Should it be legal? What's your uh, what's rationale for, for how, what you think? And it's a big question. You can think about this one. But uh, just, just on first, you're born here to foreign nationals, be they illegal aliens, be they on a tourist visa, be they here on a student visa, like Paris, you know, or an expired student visa, in her case with her parents. Uh, are they, in fact, citizens because they were born physically on the soil of the United States? 
I don't think it should be um, because, like, the examples you used is something that's easily taken advantage of and uh-huh. basically stealing our resources that are for American citizens, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah, you're on the right track. contribute to the yeah. economy. Yep. I agree. Piaki, on this, and then I'll get to the 14th Amendment. Well, uh, and by the way, a federal judge in Texas struck down DACA. It's, it's legal. We mark it down. Said it's Ill, that they can't be sent back, or what was the decision? I'm a little confused. He said the program was illegal. Oh, good. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. So the program is over? What's the status of it then? Well, like you say, the the... The parents was illegal, so the child should be is it illegal. You bring them in at that age. Mm-hmm. Even if you're illegal in the country and you have a baby in the country, the baby should be illegal. The baby uh, jurisdiction should be the jurisdiction that you come from, and that's back at your country. Exactly. Well, that's what the subject of the jurisdiction clause is, and that's what I'm leading to it. So, in other words, why is it, why is it where uh, children of ambassadors – who are here living in the country, why are those children not citizens and yet an illegal alien can have a kid on U.S. soil and are citizens? It doesn't make sense. That's, that's, a, that's a conflict. That's a conflict of law. You're rewarding one, you're rewarding one group citizens citizenship but not another. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so, in other words, here's how it works. 14th Amendment is very clear. 14th Amendment says, if I turn my book right set up, Section, uh, section one, all persons born or naturalized in the United States, and here's the key case, Brianna, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, citizens of the United States, and, You were cutting out, and I couldn't understand what you said. Oh, let me, let me start again then, okay, because this, this is really important. I hate cutting out during an important part. That's usually when blog talk cuts me out, by the way. All right, they don't cut out the other stuff, but anyway. Amendment 14, Section 1, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. So the key phrase here is and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Have you heard that, uh, that phrase before? Yes, but the translation and of what that means, I do not know. You want to give it, take a step at it? Um, jurisdiction usually is like the boundary. You're on the right track. Keep going. So the yeah. subject to the boundary. Ah, ah, which boundary? What boundary are we talking about? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I, like, first... Like, the first thing that I would say is, you know, America is the boundary. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me, we're talking about law here. Law has different boundaries. Let me, let me ask you a question. This will, this is one of the, yeah. you know, I'm leading, I'm leading you to the answer questions because this is my, my lawyer side coming out. Is <laughs> the jurisdiction geographical, as in once you cross the county line, you're in a different jurisdiction, or is this a citizenship jurisdiction? Not bound by geography. Um, Listen to this. All persons 
born or naturalized in the United States and subject to jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. So what does it mean to be subject to the jurisdiction thereof? We're talking about what kind of jurisdiction here? Well, since they it have says thereof, before it's talking about the United States, I would say that the boundary or the jurisdiction would be the United States. Okay, but is that the subject, or is that uh, the whatever that part of the sentence is that I keep? I never took grammar; I kept messing it in different countries. The subject to me is all persons born or naturalized. That's the because that's because the United States isn't subject to the jurisdiction thereof. The persons born or naturalized are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Make sense? Yeah. So if persons born or yeah. naturalized, that is a citizenship jurisdiction because that's what we're talking about. You know, obviously it's the United States because that's the country that you know we the people of the United States. That's what the Constitution is written for. So that makes sense. But all persons born or naturalized in the United States, we're talking about persons born or naturalized and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. It's a citizenship jurisdiction. That's how I read it. What do you think? Um, mm. It's live radio. <laughs> we have to say something. Yeah. You can think about it for next week. That's okay. Do some research. I think this will be an interesting question. Um, here's the thing, though. Is citizenship jurisdiction subject to I'll give you a specific example. I'll actually puzzle that one out for a bit. Is citizenship or jurisdiction subject to national boundaries, depending on where you're born? In other words, if an Can ambassador... Go ahead. Let's, so, an, so the ambassador from Guyana is in Washington, D.C., and the ambassador, you know, they have a kid, ambassador and spouse. Is that kid a, sub, uh, a citizen of the United States or a citizen of Guyana? Assuming they um, have him in a hospital, not at the embassy, but even the embassy wouldn't matter. Where are they a citizen of? Whose whose jurisdiction are they subject to? Who's that 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 child that was born to the uh, the ambassador and family of of Guyana? Who where is that child to? The United States. The United States. No, Guyana. If you read the debate on the Fourteenth Amendment, it makes it very clear, and they even talk about foreign ambassadors. Yeah, that's, that's actually in the Constitution. That's the yeah. That's what I need oh, yeah. to do. Read the debate. <laughs> okay. Well, read the actual debate. Okay. It's really kind of it, it specifically mentions on it mentions a different place. It's probably Article One, Section Eight somewhere. I'll have to find it myself. But what it says is it specifically says that uh, you know people are citizens of the United States. You know if they oh, hang on, hang on I got I'm trying to read and, and talk at the same time. It's not a good thing to do. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll find it later. But anyway, but what it makes the point is that. Uh, you know, that's how John McCain, you know, could run for president, because even though he was born on a Navy base somewhere, wherever his father was, his father was an admiral. And John McCain was, was not born on U.S. soil, and yet he was an American citizen. Well, how could that be? If soil jurisdiction is what counts, if being born physically on the United States is what makes you a citizen, how could John McCain be a citizen being born somewhere else? Well, because his parents were Americans. See, that's where the jurisdiction is. The jurisdiction is through the parents and through the country. So if you're citizens of another country... You're subject to that country's jurisdiction. They are responsible for you. Now, let me ask you a question. Here's how I, I do this before. You've got an illegal alien from Japan in the United States, right? L- happily living, you know, in one of the nearest Japan towns or wherever. 
and an American citizen, and they both go to Cairo for business for whatever reason. So you have an illegal alien Japanese person, and you've got a, a, an American citizen both in Cairo. They get in trouble with the law. Who goes to the American embassy? The American? Yeah, exactly. And where does the Japanese illegal alien go? Do they go to the American embassy? No. For help? No. Why? Why don't they? Because they're not American. They're not subject. Or is this they're not. Of course oh. it is. <laughs> this, this whole day is like if you're kind of like in the witness box today. They're not subject to our jurisdiction, right? Only American citizens are subject to, the, to our jurisdiction and can go to an American embassy when they get in trouble. Illegal aliens can't go to an American embassy in a foreign country because they're not citizens. They have no rights. They have no protections. They're in the country illegally. Legally, they're not here. So if legally they're not here, if they're not Americans, if they're subject to the jurisdiction of their own country, the place that, whose embassy they would have to go to if they got in trouble in another country, how can they give birth to American citizens, even if they're on U.S. soil? And the answer is, Brianna? It would be a U.S. citizen. Exactly. They can't. They cannot do it. We just proved it. Logic and reason. Do you see any flaws in my logic and reason? Any questions? No, but I do really want to read that debate now. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably pull it, up, pull it up for you. Let me see if I can do that real quick. Pianchi, do you have a quick comment? And then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pull up the 14th Amendment debate for Brianna. No, I was just sitting here taking notes and attending class, hoping to get a good report card. Really. Oh, you'd be fine. Hey, listen, you're here every day. Participation counts. 14th Amendment debate on subjective... Hopefully I type correctly. When I do it, I have to reach around my microphone when I tap on when I'm on the air. It's really a mess. Citizen Clause 14th Amendment. We're going to see if I can find the actual debate. Subject of the objection. The Citizenship Clause was added late in the debate over the 14th Amendment. Senator Benjamin Wade, Republican of Ohio, of course, <laughs> suggested on May 13th, I'm just reading this, I haven't even read this yet, that given the importance of, of Section 1's guarantee of privileges or immunities to United States citizens, it was imperative that a strong and clear definition of citizenship be added to the proposed amendment. He suggested persons born in the United States or naturalized by the laws thereof. Senator Howard, here's the good one, Republican of Michigan. These Republicans are doing the good stuff here, right? Um, responded on May 30th, 1866, with a proposal that, the drafted, uh, that was drafted in the Joint Committee on Reconstruction and eventually became the first sentence of the 14th Amendment as finally adopted. It read, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the states wherein they reside. So they thought about this pretty carefully. This, this, is, this is a committee. I mean, they went over this word by word, by comma, by, you know, everything. Howard was the floor manager. Let me see if I can get Howard's remarks. Oh, here we go. Uh, here's what Howard said. This is what I've been looking for. Howard's remarks introducing the new language in the Senate have attracted much attention and much controversy. He says, I do not propose to say anything on that subject, Howard said, except that the question of citizenship has been so fully discussed in this body as not to need any further elucidation, in my opinion. This amendment, which I have offered, is simply declaratory of what I regard as the law of the land already, that every person born within the limits of the United States and subject to their jurisdiction is by virtue of natural law and the natural law and natural law, a citizen of the United States. This will not, here's the key part, 
This will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States, but will include every other class of persons. It settles the great question of citizenship and removes all doubt as to what persons are or are not citizens of the United States. This has long been a great desideratum in the jurisprudence and legislation of this country. Got it? This will not, let me just the key part once again, this will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens who belong to families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States. So foreigners are not citizens when they're born here. Aliens are not citizens when they're born here. Families of ambassadors are not citizens when they're born here. What's that? I was just, you know, making a joke. Like, no way, the truth. <laughs> I mean, scary, isn't it? Yeah, so this is what we do here. So it's Senator Howard of Michigan. So, so look up Senator Howard, Republican of Michigan, May 30th, 1866. Definition of subject to the jurisdiction clause. I'll, I'll send this to you. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll email you this, uh, this website. Now, what do you think? Um... Well, now I think they're illegal. Mm-hmm. See, wasn't that easy? A little bit of truth, a little bit of documentation, a little bit of the original congressional debate. No problem. Yeah. Why can't, why can't the news do this? <laughs> you know, that's all it takes. Oh, are you asking me that question? Well, I'm just, that was, a, that was a rhetorical question, too. Why doesn't the news do this? So, you know, I mean, uh, they don't. Because they don't. So, so what does the news do? So the news fills you with with bogus terms: undocumented alien, uh, undocumented worker, uh, illegal immigrant. They blur. They blur your thinking. Now, is there any doubt in your mind as to who is and who is not a citizen uh, when they're born here? Not anymore. Yeah. See. Oh, great. Do you have any questions for me on any of that? Um. Not right now, but, you know, it might come at the most inconvenient time. Yeah, it usually does. You'd be, you'd be amazed what I think about after the show. It's like, oh, gee, I should have said this. You know, it happens all the time. Just write it down. We'll do it next week. Yeah, this is such a fluid thing. I'm glad you could stay a little longer today. You know, we, we have scheduled a full hour for you, but I know you might have had to, to leave a bit early. Pianchi, do you have a question for Brianna or, or any other? I've got a ton of topics here. No, but I, I, one thing, she's on a well a great path uh, learning mm-hmm. these particular uh, topics because I would say probably 85% of Americans have not a clue. And that's the way you are conquered from outsiders who have infiltrated your inside. It's like a spirit that's trying to destroy the fabric of the United States. Yeah. You know, Brianna, I if you would, go ahead. Go ahead question for it's something a little bit different but it still relates to the constitution and i recently learned that the i haven't like went in and read the entire thing to make sure that it wasn't in there or anything but i've heard Mm -hmm. that um the constitution says nothing about nominations or primary elections on how they're supposed to go does the constitution say anything about those um, Pianchi, you want to try that? I've got a, I've got a theory, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking about this, but um, Pianchi, what's your reaction? Well, the Constitution leave that up to the leave that up to the countries, which we call states. 
Yeah, we start calling the country, the states, countries to make them make it clear that these are separate, independent uh, uh, things, like a, like a city state used to be. I mean, the Athens was a city state; it was actually a country. Uh, back in ancient Greece, there were different countries that were loosely associated uh, in a confederation of, of Greece. So, in that in that respect, um, the whole idea of, of parties. I think the the founders were so against the idea of parties, and me too. I don't think anybody holding um, a legislative office should be able to belong to a party because then they represent the party and not the people. And so as far as it goes, primaries are a function of a political party. They are not a function of government, right? Because they're held by the Republican Party or the Democrat Party to the exclusion of pretty much all other parties. So the parties manipulate the system, control the system, create a two-party system. I mean, where are the libertarians? Where are the greens? Where, where's the communist party for that matter? You know, where's the, the anarchist party? Where's the, the constitution party, the Christian party, the reform party, all the different parties that we have in this country? They never get a voice because it's monopolized in the primaries by the two major um, parties who contribute to the, the major networks to block out anybody else. From political debate so primaries are not a function of the constitution they are not a function of government they are a, a uh, unfortunately they get a whole ton of taxpayers money and that's something you might want to look into but primaries are for the election of party members by the members of that party make sense yes so is there um in the constitution or mm-hmm. like any of the amendments to it Anything of the actual voting process in uh, presidential elections? Yes, absolutely. Pianchi, you want to take this one? Because you're better versed in this than I am. Could she say it one more time, please? Brianna, you want to try again? Um, in the Constitution, does it label like a set way of how you are supposed to vote, or I guess like the system of voting in a presidential election? Well, I think I've yes, it. yes. Either uh, either way it goes, the process for cast and votes is usually determined by the state legislatures of a country or state. Yep. As far yeah. as voting, as far as voting age and the and the time and date and the location, those there, those criteria are covered by states, not the federal government. Yeah, so the states, here's how it works. Um, when it comes to the, um, uh, the, the, the Congress, the House used to be elected, well, the House is elected by the people in congressional districts. The Senate used to be elected by the states. Each state legislature would either appoint or elect their senators. That's why each state has two senators, regardless of size or population, because it's irrelevant, because each state is equal to every other state. Rhode Island is equal to California, is equal to Alaska, is equal to Texas, is equal to Delaware. They're all equal in terms of representation because they are equal units within the United States. Make sense? Yes. Okay, so the House is elected by the people, the Senate should be elected by the states, and the president is elected by all the states. The states elect the president through electors. So when you vote in a presidential election in the state of Oklahoma, you're voting for electors who will then elect who Oklahoma as a state wants to send to Washington. Now, some states do it by popular vote. Most states do. They don't have to. The state legislature can throw that out and say, wait a minute, no, we think that's a stupid choice. We're going to appoint so-and-so, who's not a George Soros-funded you know, Marxist, totally. 
They can do that. <laughs> you got to have fun with this stuff or you're going to go crazy. All right, so here's what I'm going to refer you to for, for next week. So take a look at Article 1 of the Constitution, Section 2. The House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states. So the procedure for the House is Article 1, Section 2. The procedure for the Senate is Article 1, Section 3. The Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state. Article Section 4, Article 1. The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. That is Section 4. Section 5, uh, each house shall be the judge of the elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members. Da, da, da. So section 5. So most of, section, of Article 1 is concerned with elections. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I've read that Section 4 quite uh-huh. a few times. Yep. So let's get to January 6th. Speaking of a fun topic, what's January 6th for? What do you mean? What is it for? Well, there's a certain thing that's supposed to happen on January 6th. Well, let's go back a little bit. Let's go to the election, November 8th this year. So there's another. So let's say this is a presidential year. So President, you know, Goofy is, is going against President, you know, Dipstick. And they're running, and then, and then we have an election. And then what happens? Does the popular vote matter nationwide? No. We don't care. It's irrelevant, unless you're a Democrat trying to convince people that it does matter. So what matters is who wins in each state, right? And each state has mm-hmm. electors. So then what happens? What's the next step? So we're in November. Um, you know, we're in November of presidential year. So November, whatever, the first Tuesday of November or the second Tuesday, whatever it is, that's when the presidential election is held. So the next thing that happens is on December 15th. I'm going to put a little timeline in your head. That's what we're doing here. So the next thing is, what are they going to do with the electors? What do the electors do? They vote their candidate. Are you talking about like statewide? Yeah. So in the state of Oklahoma, Oklahoma, I don't know how how many uh, how many delegates, how many electors do you have? Fifteen, maybe. Twelve. I don't know how many electors do you have in Oklahoma. Do you know? Eighteen. Mm, well, the, no, but I can find that real quickly. Okay, well, yeah, you can find it if you want, but the, the point is that the, those electors have to do something on December 15th. What they do is they vote for the president based on, in most cases, what the popular vote is within that state. So Oklahoma, let's, let's make it Trump and Brandon. So Oklahoma votes 60% for Trump, 40% for Brandon. And even I think that's too high, <laughs> given Oklahoma. All right, so, 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 the, so the state then, so all the electors are then going to cast their votes for Trump, right? Or they're yeah. supposed to. But we know we have electors who can kind of do what they want, and sometimes they protest, and where you go. But generally, in almost every case, uh, the electors will vote for whoever, the, the, whoever wins the state. So that's December 15th. Well, then Congress, Congress has to certify those electors' votes. And when do they do that? What's our big day? What? So, so, so the so the elections in November. The electors vote for president in December. What happens next? What happens next is Congress has to certify those electors. And what day do they do that? Oh, that's what you just said. I was thinking there was like I was like they become president. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You talked about so, the third uh, thing you said. Yeah. So the third thing, the Congress has to certify the electors. And when do they do that? 
January 6th. And assuming that the Congress certifies the election, the next step is what? There's only one thing left. To uh, the inauguration. Exactly, which is January 20th. So there's your sequence. November, first Tuesday, or second Tuesday, I've forgotten. Uh, I think it's second Tuesday because it's the 8th this year. So second Tuesday in November is the election. December 15th, the electors vote for president. January 6th, Congress certifies the electors' votes. And January 20th, the president is inaugurated and sworn in. So what happened? <laughs> what happened January 6th in, in 2020? Um, there were a lot of protesters. Protest? Were they protesting? What were they protesting? I, I know that the January 6th thing is a huge thing blowing up for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I haven't looked into a single thing of that. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take it up next week? Maybe? Maybe. Don't know. Don't I mean, I've never it. really seen any interest in learning of it or anything. Is it from, from you or your friends? Because it's on the news all the time. I mean, the whole January 6th committee has been meeting for a year, you know, putting infomercials on, you know, once a month or something like that. Is that something that would interest you at all? Or, or you want to keep inquiring on other things? It's up to you. Um, you want to think about it? Yeah, I'm going look to look it up or look into it at some point. Not sure. Okay. All right. Now, that's interesting. Now, is this – how about your friends? Are they concerned with January 6th? Is this something that uh, – that you guys talk about? No, I haven't really talked about it with anybody. But I'm sure so there's is, a lot of people that are. So, so <laughs> this is, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Did you have more? Well, I'm not finished. Yeah. All right. You so know, another thing, too. Go ahead, Bianca. And I got Josie on the line, so I'm going to bring her on. In that a she may want to think about. <clears throat> the way we have been uh, talking about describing things in this conversation. Mm-hmm. You have social media like Facebook was considered what we said it was hate speech and want to ban you from their platforms for a given point of time. That there is another problem that we have when you that we're experiencing with these entities denying First Amendment right of free speech because they are a common carrier. Just like you would say those what we just spoke on the telephone, but they don't allow it for whatever reason. And I think one of the biggest problems is that they got a lot of foreigners working for them that don't understand the dialect and the way that Americans go about describing things. So... Well, that's a good point, and I'm going to get to Josie in a second here. Brianna, do you think that the conversation we just had on the 14th Amendment would uh, – here's another rhetorical question – would survive long on social media? No. <laughs> what do you think would happen to us? Well, it would get taken down. Um, we'd all get banned very quickly. <laughs> And did we say anything that was untrue? Did we, did we lie about the Constitution? Did we purposely mislead? Did we propagandize? More rhetorical questions for you. And yet, that conversation probably could never exist on social media. What do you think? 
Hey, this is going to be your um, country. You're going to have to live with this. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with all this stuff. We'll, you know, Pianchi and Josie and I, we'll, we're going to get old and, you know, sit on rocking chairs and watch the sunset. You know, this is, this is going to be your mess to fix. <laughs> I'm not trying well, to burden you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah, I just don't know. <laughs> Craig, what are you doing with this kid? I'm sorry. Um, Josie, you want to get But I wanted to say something before she leaves. Okay, Josie, yeah, feel, feel free. Good morning. I want for her to know that Kamala Harris, she's illegal in this country because she was born from illegal parents. So that falls under, she is not a citizen legally. She has to become one. So it's pretty sad how our government put in office a president that was born in Kenya first and now mm-hmm. put another vice president that she was born from illegal parents. So legally, she's not a U.S. citizen. Yep. So I have okay. a constitutional question, like, regarding this, because I know you can't be the president of the United States unless you are a natural-born United States citizen. So why don't we have that regulation in the vice presidency? If something happens to the president, the vice president has to take over. Or is it there? And it's just not – I just don't know. Good question. Because Who wants that one? We've been, living, we've been living through a corruption, so they're ignoring our 14 amendment like you guys were talking about a few minutes ago. And uh, everything is corrupt. This is not the United States that I knew 50 years ago when I came to America in 1971. Things have changed, and it's getting worse and worse and worse in America. Now we're uh, allowing illegals to walk in, and they're becoming a U.S. citizen right away. And that's not fair for me that I have to wait 10 years, lots of money paying lawyers for my paperwork to become legal in this country. So for me, as a U.S. citizen, the legal way, it upsets me that this corrupt government right now running our country, which is Obama, he's doing everything the opposite, that we Americans follow our law. They're breaking every law in this country. Brianna? No, I agree with you. Brianna? Yeah, definitely. And the, and the sad part is the schools, they don't want to teach you uh, our history in this country. They want to teach you communists. They want to teach you Muslim history. They want to teach you everything else besides knowing your rules and laws of this country, uh, which is a beautiful country. And they just hate this country so much. So the new generation like you need to stand for your country and tell all your friends about it and do it on your own because they're not doing it. Uh, they don't want for you to know nothing. And that's I, um, where faith. Go ahead. For for what you're saying, I heard a lady speak. She was from Korea. I wish I knew her name because, you know, she deserves the credit for, for speaking the truth like this. But mm-hmm. um, she was speaking, and I didn't watch the entire thing. I only watched like three or four clips of it. But Mm -hmm. she was talking about the difference between like America and Korea, where she came from. And she was saying how she didn't understand why people hated America so much. And the thing that Americans would say is because of the inequality. And one of like the strongest things that she said in it was that um, 
inequality is not the enemy, poverty is. Because if you don't have inequality, you have complete equality. And, and you know, that's communism. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what poverty was. That's what she is against. And it was just a really powerful message. Because yeah. it really shows the, the greatness of America. And, and you're right about that story that she was telling. Because, see, um, there are so many people that come from other countries of the world that they're willing to lose their lives and sacrifice everything that they work for in their countries to escape their lifestyle, especially people from Cuba and Venezuela, Russia, uh, North Korea, all these countries, they're willing, or China, actually, they're willing to lose, to lose it all to become a U.S. citizen in this country. And, they, and, and I have seen people, and I talk to people all the time, and this government, all they've been doing is trying to corrupt the minds of young kids like you, and they want you to be busy on the phone so you ignore everything that is happening. School is not teaching nothing. They're not teaching children how to bake, how to cook. Like when I came to this country, it was amazing. I'm a seamstress. I know how to make a dress. I know how to put a button. I know how to put a zipper. Nowadays, kids go to Joanne's Fabric, and they buy a tape, and they try to to hem their pants and iron, and then the thing comes off anyway. Uh, I see young kids from colleges, they come into my store, and they try to put a patch with an iron, and then the thing is coming off. So eventually they come to me, and I put it on for them. But they don't know how to do anything at all like that, you know. They're not That's teaching them to become – they're not teaching them how to become a housewife one day or, 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 or help themselves. They're trying to – make sure the children are useless to this society. And that's sad because I seen a few minutes ago when Greg asked a question, he said, I can look it up so quickly. That's what you, that's what they want for you to do. Look it up. They don't want for you to think on your own or figure it out on your own. And that's exactly said in this country right now. It's sad, but you know, there's a, this, this, to me, this is the best country in the world. I love America. I'm willing to die for this country, and that's where I swore in when I left my right arm uh, hand to say I do. I will defend and protect this country to the point of death, and I meant it. Nowadays, they're just walking in, and they're getting their, use, they, their citizenship paper, or they're releasing them to go anywhere they want illegally. And here it is, $300 uh, for food stamps. There's housing. There's schooling. There's they're even paying for the colleges of a lot of these illegals. And that breaks my heart because I have to pay out of my pocket for my daughter to go to college. And then after the first year she did bad, I said, get out. You're wasting my money. When you're ready to go, you're going to go. So now my daughter's trying to finish college because she wanted to do it on her own because the, the college teachers were out of control. They were not teaching anything at all. And they didn't allow for me to find out how my daughter was doing in college. And I was even paying for her college. So I was not allowed to find out how my daughter was in college. They kept me out. And that's exactly what they're doing in the middle schools, even in the little kids' school right now. They don't want parents in the school. They don't want, you, they don't want parents to find out what they're teaching to the kids, how they're brainwashing all the children. So I'm proud of you, young girl. Uh, because I was listening to you a little bit, but that's it yeah. for me right now. 
Okay, well, we'll get, we'll get to your report in a second, but um, and let, like I say, Brandon has some extra time. Just in, in our defense here, I think there are times to look things up so you make sure you have the exact wording, and there's times to figure things out. And so we do both. Mm-hmm. And so I will defend looking things up to get the exact wording of the Constitution and the exact words of the debate of the 14th Amendment, because I think that's really useful. But we will figure out that you know, what we're being told is a bunch of propaganda, it's a bunch of mush, it's not true. And just because everybody says it, everybody assumes it, doesn't make it true. Brianna, let's get back to you, because I know you're limited on time. Um, yeah, I just want to say one more thing before I go. Okay. On the thing of American exceptionalism, I, I know you guys have probably heard this term before. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I went to Patriot Academy and we did, like, the lessons and stuff, one of the speeches by um, David Barton in, in the topic was American exceptionalism. And mm-hmm. what he did is he went through it on on why that term was created and the honest truth behind it. Because a lot of people now are trying to say, oh, no, we're really not that exceptional compared to any other countries. And he goes to explain, like, why we are exceptional. Like, he actually compares why that term was actually created in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like all of you to be able to find the chance to learn this. Why don't you tell us next one week? Of the, um, yeah. One of the things that they said that was – really true about saving a country on knowing whether you should try and actually save and fight for a country. And he said, well, are people trying to come in or are they trying to go out? And mm-hmm. it was an extremely strong statement. And it's like, that's why you need to save this country because it's a good country that has to survive for a reason, you know? But are they trying to, this is an excellent point, but are they trying to come in because it'll benefit them? In other words, in terms of money and property and gifts and free hotels and things like that, or are they coming in because they can work hard and get opportunity and for themselves, but also to benefit us? Is their coming here going to benefit the country? That's the test of immigration. It's not whether it's going to benefit, benefit the immigrant. You know, they have to be able to benefit the country. And yes. that's, you know, and so in other words, we will not be exceptional if people are coming here simply to take our money and to take benefits and to, and, and to fill up our roads and our schools and, uh, you know, be a burden to society and get on the welfare rolls. That is not going to help us. So that little poem on the Statue of Liberty. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Something interesting with the actual welfare system, this is beside the topic of immigration. We're we're all over the place. Don't worry about it. I've actually been doing some research on it. And um, one of the things in 2009 that Obama came up with was the Recovery Act. You, you've mm-hmm. probably heard of this, where it's been a bunch of like billions of state money into different programs and um, uh, welfare, different subsidies, even like the home heating thing for food and everything. And mm-hmm. the the goal that they stated that it was for, one of them was, you know, um, for the economy and uh, job growth. But I looked at a chart that I had, uh, one of my classes had given me. And I read the chart, and it had from 2009 until, like, 2015-ish. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of, like, in the middle. But it had the lowest uh, – it had the lowest employment, which would be the highest unemployment, mm-hmm. from the presidency before and after. Like, it just mm-hmm. dropped, like, a, a complete – like, um, what's – well, the economy sucked. <laughs> it was, it, it, we had, uh, the whole Obama term was in a recession, but that's a great observation. 
So does yeah, – so and, let me ask the question then. Go ahead. And the, and the specific thing is whenever I, I was looking at this with what they were teaching, it was mm-hmm. trying to say about um, systemic racism and how they should defund the police. And one of the topics or one of the choices, there's three options, was defund the police and give the money to the black communities and the, 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 the minor communities. And I was like, okay, well, they did that here with Obama right here. And mm-hmm. the white employment rate kind of stayed steady. There was ups and downs. But the Hispanic and the black one went way down in employment. Like, they did this before. It, it didn't work. It, it ended up badly. And it was just... It was well, since we have representatives of the Hispanic and black community here, I'm going to leave this to you two. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, Josie, who wants to go? Well, um, it is very sad how these people wanted to defund the police, and they're the ones calling 911 because of all the crime in the black cities or the Spanish neighborhood. And they're, like, desperate for the police to come. And the police say, why should I come? You don't want to fund my department. So it, 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 it didn't work out. But in a lot of police people just left their cities. A lot of them are here, actually, yeah. right now. So it's just... Yeah, I've seen a well, lot of had a- California license plates recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you should look at is that uh, when people say black community, there's no such thing as a black community. There's black neighborhoods, neighborhoods that may be predominantly black. Then, too, what is the definition for black? It surely can't be skin color because Derek Jeter looks is called black. So... When you Who's hear Derek that Jeter? term, Who's Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter is a short, short thought for the New York Yankees. Oh, okay, good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Colin Powell was considered uh, called black. Adam Clayton Powell, black. Alicia Keys, called black. Uh, John Kerry's wife, Teresa Kerry, she is was born in Africa, Mozambique. So is she an African-American when she's here? Is she black, too? So that Kanye word West. has been used. Yeah, yeah. Kanye West is black. Barack Obama in a, uh, was a mulatto. He has, he has a white mother and a, and a, a black, well, a Kenyan wow. father. And under their Muslim. culture, he yeah. was born a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Those are really good yeah. points. And something that you said before on the community thing, um, something that was in that Recovery Act was about money going to committee, uh, community action groups or something like that. And the mm-hmm. community action groups, I don't know exactly what that money went to because that was just a title of what that money went to, but they received the lowest amount of money than any of the other things in this to supposedly help these communities? Well, community action groups are really where a lot of problems come from. A lot of division, a lot of uh, these social uh, activists come from. uh, They try to position themselves to receive and buy for government uh, handouts, government grants, 
that's supposed to be directed toward a certain uh, situation. Well, then my question is, then why are we giving churches tax exempt status? Because churches are supposed to address the problem that people would otherwise look to the government for, and they're not doing it. Absolutely. That's why churches get an exempt because they're supposed to be held in the neighborhood. But now our Uncle Sam, which is us, are supporting all these people. All these people depend with a handout. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Sad. Then you got another problem. You got another problem, Amber. You look at your prison population. Your prison population in the United States has made that a another industry that's content, continuously being fed. So if you got the number that we have in prison, 2 million plus, like 800,000 that's considered black, then at what point in time do you try to reform those people and bring them back into a society where they can be productive rather than bringing in a million illegals? So you're dealing with two things. You got to take care of these prisoners at state and federal level, more so state. Then also you got to provide programs for illegals, like them being able to go to public school where their parents have paid nothing that supports those schools. And we hear all the time how schools are overpopulated, classrooms are overpopulated. I don't think that is the case. But they're always saying they don't have enough money. Well, if you insert 500 students, people, children into a school system, does that not further burden the situation of not having enough money to tend to what you normally should have? Brianna? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) That's okay. Oh, Pianchi, Amber's on Fridays. We we have two younger, excellent reporters here. I'm sorry for identifying you wrong. She hasn't been on for a couple of weeks, but we'll get it straight. Yeah, yeah and uh, and I don't want you to feel like you have to take on the entire world yourself, uh, Brianna, just because we talk about this. But you're in a unique position. You're in a position where you're getting you know all the knowledge that all of us can can give you, plus every all these other sources, Patriot Academy, things like that. So it, it's almost like you know, and I don't want you to feel the, the burden of this, but if you can you know, get to folks your age, get to, uh, you know, Patriot Academy. I don't know if Patriot Academy describes the 14th Amendment the way we did, um, but different sources. And that, that school that you're talking about, you know, defunding the police and all this stuff, that's propaganda. That's pure propaganda, you know. So, so do as much as you can, but don't feel like the, all the burden's on you because it's not. You know, we're all going to help and we're all going to do our part here. Um, but I got a question for you. Based on what you were studying with this, you know, this uh, um, Reform Act, whatever it was called, the uh, Recovery Act. There we go. Yeah, it's I'm always still, called the Recovery Act. I'm still in the process of learning more of it, though. Okay. Oh, no, that's fine. No, that's good. You, you, you're going to, you know, we're all going to teach you everything we know, and that should take about another couple of weeks, and then we'll be done. No, just seriously. Um, the question is, do, does the government spending money actually create recoveries and improve the economy? Based no. On from the, ah, so what did you learn from studying well, the Act? I mean, I mean, you have to, you kind of have to think of it in more specific terms because government spending money right off the bat, that's a bad thing. You don't want to spend money, you don't want to go into debt and stuff, but you have to put 
I guess you call it almost an investment. You want to invest the government money into something good that will actually help the economy and help the people. You use the government, like, for example, one of the things that I learned, like, through Patriot Academy and stuff is about putting, like, prison funds, for example. Like, um, what Pianke is talking about a minute ago is, like, whenever you put more money into the – there's a reason that a lot of Republicans and stuff want to – like, I don't know if I should, I don't know. There's a reason a lot of people would rather put money into Christian prisons rather than just normal, like, state prisons because the rate of criminal recurrence in a Christian prison is significantly lower than in a normal prison. And because, like, one of the most common things you hear is because it's the act of the heart, right? You have to change the heart because the heart provides the actions. And, and, and criminals and regular state prisons, they do their time, and a lot of times they commit a crime and end up right back there, and that takes up more time and resources. But the government, if they put more money into this Christian prison and have less and less and less recurrences, that's a good investment to make where there's less crime, where they have to spend less money in the long run of having to keep all of these people in prison because so many people are doing wrong. And so it's like a matter of, what you are investing the government money in, because you have to think of it logically in what you're doing and what you're putting in, the consequences of it, because you don't want to go in debt, but you do want to be able to help the American economy. You want to be able to help the people in a good way, not support them, because you don't want the government supporting you. That's called government control, but Wow, I'm spiraling. Okay, somebody interrupt me now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing fine. Um, I just want to check my joke because this is we're in I got a question. Close, but no, I'm really I'm enjoying having Brianna on. Do you mind, Josie? Do you mind if we? Okay, hold on a second, Josie. Josie, do you mind if we keep her on for a bit? Do you mind if we keep her on for a bit? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. I want a, I want a question for her. Okay, right go ahead. Now. I have a question. Okay. What since we're talking about prisoners and all these people being in there, what is your opinion of over 200? U.S. citizen being arrested just because they were marching in D.C. And they haven't even put them through trials or anything to find them guilty. And they've been in prison for two years, political prisons in the in Washington, uh, uh, D.C. area, most of them. This would be the what January 6th that? thing. That's what she's talking January about. January 6th. Well, from the information that I've been given, it sounds just completely illegal, and a lot of people should be getting sued right about now for doing that. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you uh, a question, too. Um, you talk about government investment. This is another one of those terms like illegal immigration, um, fossil fuel, you know, all these things that, the, that the, the, those that would want to influence you uh, say. Does the government, in fact, invest is that their job? Is that a constitutional prerogative of government to invest money to improve the economy? No. Like, um, I think I worded that wrong because really the government should have a hands-off, you know, a laissez-faire. I really don't know how to pronounce that, but hands-off. Laissez-faire, in... yeah. Fair yeah. is to do or to make. It's the verb, uh, and, and laissez-faire, I guess, means, you know, hands or something like that. Anyway, it means hands-off. So I think mm-hmm. when I say that, I, I definitely, definitely miss sort of that completely. No, that's okay. No, actually, that's, 
that's a very natural thing to do, given the fact that people talk about government investments all the time. The government talks about it. My contention is that the government cannot invest. It's illegal for the government to invest because where do they get their investments from, investment funds from? The people. But, like, that's, that's the point that I was trying to make. Like, the prisons are, are usually state, right? Most of the time yeah, they're, right. you know, you give funding to be able to keep the prisoners away and not come and kill you. No, and no, I agree with you there. The, the prisons, to... yeah, the prisons have to be government funded. I'm talking about recovery and economic, you know, investing in, in you know, economic recovery zones or benefiting certain corporations like the electric car business or things like that. The prisons are a whole different thing. And did you say Christian prisons? I've never heard that term. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Um, so it's really where they would go and they would teach you the gospel. And, um, I think it's a really big thing on morality overall, trying to change. So it's not a prison. It's a program within the prisons. Cause I've heard of chaplains. I had a chaplain on the air, you know, who was a prison chaplain. So this is a little mm-hmm. bit familiar with this. Okay. That makes sense. But how about just, I want to one last question. And Pianchi and, and Josie have a question for you also. But the idea of the government investing, I want to make this really, really clear because, and I don't know if Patriot Academy does this. But I still want to have those folks on. We've got to talk to Rick Green. We've got to get him on the show. Um, but the idea of the government, people are, it's called, what it's really, what this comes back to, and you can look this up too, you know, amongst all your other homework that we keep giving you, uh, Keynesian economics. John Maynard Keynes was a British economist who came along with this wonderful theory that says if the government simply invests and spends money, the economy is going to be great. And the more money the government spends, the better the economy. The flaw in that theory, of course, is that where does the money come from? Us. <laughs> so they, in order for the government to spend any money at all, they have to take it from us. And, our, and do you, in fact, have a free market? If the government's taking your money and making the investment choices, you know, spoiler alert, this is another rhetorical question. If the government is taking your money and then investing where they choose, do you, in fact, have a free market? No. So what do we do about it? You're making yes. me think really hard. I, I know. I do that a lot, don't I? <laughs> All right, who wants to help? <laughs> Pianchi? Josie? What did Trump do? You Easy just question. get rid of them. Softball. <laughs> well, what Trump did is he cut taxes. So what do you do when you cut taxes, folks? We get to make the decision. Right? Yeah. Brianna? Yeah, you put the, keep the money in your pocket. How better way to direct how it's spent? Mm-hmm. So market decisions made by individual consumers with more money in their pockets because the taxes are lowered shifts the, shifts the, the power from the government making consumer choices and economic choices to the people. And that is, so the lower the taxes, I think we can say, the more free the market. Make sense? I agree. Yep. It does. It's the okay. same way the way social media sites use your intellectual property mm-hmm. without your approval to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they market you based on what you post. So in other words, so here's a question. Uh, are we, you know, uh, more rhetorical, I should probably just tell it to make a statement, but we in fact pay for social media. If they say social media is free, it's not free at all. You're paying for it by giving them your information, your personal information. You know, the burgers you had last night at, you know, Fred's Barbecue. And then you see a ketchup ad in your Facebook thing like within half an hour. (laughs) That's how that works. So the currency of social media is information. It's not money. They make money trading our information for advertising dollars. 
So social media is paid for. It is not free. It is a business and therefore should be regulated as a business. You know, I mean, uh, the way I want to do it with the big tech bill, <laughs> I'm probably going to get up when I say regulated. You know, in other words, they are uh, uh, they still have taxes and profits and things like that, but they are selling a product. This is not a social benefit, and they have, and they are subject to public accommodation because they're open to the public. And not and not and only that, but they're watching mm-hmm. you. They're watching you through the little camera, mm-hmm. and they're listening. Because mm-hmm. I, I put a little piece of tape on the camera phone and yeah, people go, what is that? I don't want to be <laughs> watch every move I make. No way. Yeah, I got a business but card. I fold the business it. card in half and put it on top. Anyway, I tell you what, let me, I want to hold up here. Brianna, let's get you one more statement from you. I want to get to Josie because she's got a report. And yeah, Josie, I have a little around. report you have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. First of all, thank you, Josie. And, but I, I'm really interested in talking to Brianna just because, you know, I see so much potential yeah. in, in her, Good, in you, yeah. Brianna. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, you know, hey, listen, you, you thought you were going to be less than an hour? Look at this. You're an hour and a half. Not bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got a closing comment? Then I'm going to get to uh, Josie. Goodbye, y'all. <laughs> you did, you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job. And, and uh, just, you know, if you get a chance to listen to the podcast and whatever you want to cover next week from what we, uh, some big topic that we barely got to this week, then please feel free. But I love Share having you on the show. Friends. Yeah, tell yeah. your friends. Keep doing what you're doing. Share our show. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. She Bye, started Brianna. off as a poor child in Nicaragua living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossie knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border, from personal experience, living not just reporting what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. And thanks for letting uh, Brianna stick around during uh, oh, half of your report. I'll give you a round of applause cool for that. So that's for you. Yeah. Thank you. It's good to hear young people learning a lot. Mm-hmm. She's pretty good. Yep. Um, I wanted to report about, uh, I'm so excited uh, when I was watching the news, Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona government, Ducey, he put in a lot of containers to build that wall. <laughs> oh, we actually did a report on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you on that. Absolutely. So, so tell me, uh, tell me what you think. But uh, yeah, we actually covered that. Yeah. I think last week, one of those days, maybe Thursday or Friday, we we did a little. We we called it containing the illegals with containers. <laughs> I love <laughs> something, it. something to that effect. Yeah, you can look back on the shows and see. But what's your take on it? What do you think? Uh, I think I think it's quick, and uh, I think they need more containers. <laughs> and yeah. I think the reason um, uh, Governor Ducey did this is because this is his last term in office. And um, Carrie Lake mentioned before that when she wins, that she will have uh, the National uh, Guard at the border. So mm-hmm. I think he's trying to do something before he leaves to kind of jump, jump start on her, her words that she said. So he's trying to do something to show well, people he that be it can be done. Hey. He doesn't want to be upstaged by yeah. Lake, but he actually did the right thing. So that, that leads to the question, yeah. then, can states build their own wall? No, can yeah. they? Is it legal? Is it constitutional? Well, they're telling him 
the federal office is calling them out and say, you are doing this illegally. You, mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about illegally? You're not supposed to mention that word illegal. They are doing everything <laughs> illegal by bringing all the illegals. And I was just laughing. I was like, this yeah. is ridiculous. Yep. So, <laughs> they, please, so they want, yeah. They, they want for him to remove him as soon as possible. And he said he's not doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of him. I am yeah. so proud. Some of, those, some of those containers, Greg, are 60 foot long. That is big. <laughs> Oh, we post pictures. I've got uh, I've got pictures on the legal page. I've got some other places. So take a standard shipping container, you know, the ones that fit on a on a on a, on a rail car um, or on a uh-huh. on a truck, you know, and you put two of them together uh-huh. on one on top of the other. You guys have seen Lethal yeah. Weapon, you know, where they're playing with the shipping containers. Okay, so that's a wall. It's actually higher than the yeah. regular wall, um, but uh, that's yeah. what those containers are. So the states absolutely have borders. In fact, I would think that mm-hmm. if you know if Carrie Lake really wants it. Now we have Wendy Rogers on the show. Remember her, state senator from uh, yeah. Arizona. She was on the show recently talking about what Carrie Lake's going to do, and Carrie Lake's going to build mm-hmm. the border. Arizona is is perfect. It's perfectly constitutional for Arizona to secure their border. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly constitutional yeah. for them to remove illegal aliens because illegal aliens, as we talked about with Brianna, are criminals, and there's no reason to have criminals yeah. in your state. They are not citizens of the state of Arizona because they are not citizens of the United States. They're here, here illegally. So if you're yeah. not a citizen of the United States, you're not a citizen of the state in which you reside, and therefore the state can get rid of you. They don't have to keep illegal aliens in their state, and that means no, building a wall. Yep. Now, California, yeah. here's something interesting. California has an agricultural checkpoint. They actually have a border checkpoint in California from, I know, because they used to go to Tahoe. Uh-huh. So coming back into California, yeah. and when I first moved to California, driving across from Boston, that was a trip, a little U-Haul, you know, me. <laughs> driving across the whole country by myself. That was fun, starting a new adventure. Yeah. So I show up at the California border, and the first thing they ask me is, do you have any fruits or vegetables or produce, or have you walked on a farm in the last you know, few weeks? Um, nope. <laughs> you know, I got my snacks. From, I got my, my bear claws and my donuts. That's what I'm you know, eating across the country. He goes, nope, no agricultural products. Nope, I'm not eating healthy. And they looked around the car and said, okay, go ahead. But that was a checkpoint. That was a border security checkpoint into the state of California. So if they can do that, why can't they check yeah. for illegal aliens? And the answer is they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So is there anything There's illegal just... about those containers? Not at all. Mm-hmm. We're trying so... to protect our country. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's only normal that people in their own country want to protect their own country from invaders. Mm-hmm. And this is the invasion USA completely. From yeah. every direction, they're coming in, and they're just walking right in. Yeah. A lot of them... They come, they want to be arrested so they can give them free transportation and all that. Mm-hmm. But m- most of the other ones that we don't know who's coming in in, in, the, in the country, the, a lot of them are terrorists. A lot of them are no good people. MS-13, yeah. cartels, terrorists. Well, and uh, this is, this is going to be very bad, very bad. A hundred well, yeah. million. Yeah. There is some good news. What's though? the good news? The good news is yeah. that because this is, they're not coming in by law, they're not coming in by statute from Congress, they're coming in under a presidential illegal order from a person who's not even president. Therefore, none of these citizenships, none of these permanent resident statuses, none of anything that's granted to these illegals is legal. It can be reversed by Trump. In fact, it automatically should be canceled because the person issuing these illegal things, Brandon, is not a legal president. But put that aside, Trump can walk in and he can erase every status of everybody that came in during the Brandon insurrection. They can just wipe their status out. Anybody that has an immigration hearing, they can cancel it. 
and say, nope, you're not supposed yep. to be here. Go. You know, so now, some, now here's something really interesting. Peter Navarro in his book, he talked about uh-huh. this. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Peter Navarro was on the show. Go, wasn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time I've been, first yeah, time I've been nervous in like years. <laughs> you know, but I said, well, I want to make a good impression. I want to, I want to get us connected to the Trump campaign because I think we've got some things that nobody else has to offer them. But I know Peter Navarro in his book, he said, sending the illegals back. And I just have to, mm-hmm. uh, let me see if I can find it real quickly. But uh, yeah, continue on. I shall look for that. Um, and because uh, I know I've got it here somewhere. I just have to, uh, maybe I have it. Yeah. Uh, my computer's a mess. But, um, <laughs> but I, do, go uh, I truly, go ahead, Bianchi. You know, I'm going to tell you something else that Facebook does. You should go to your settings on your Facebook and go to, to uh, like add preferences and go through each one of those categories and check see less. They even got the World Health Association, World Health Organization, is sending you ads, and I guess they're paying Facebook in order to do it. Yeah. So take the time yeah. out to turn off those ads that track you, turn off uh, each of those preferences, and have uh, no preference, a see less, it should have no preference, not no preference, but you want to see less because if you have no preference, that means that they will show you as much as they want. Yeah. So basically all they do is make money off of well, that's, that's, mm-hmm. I told you, their, their currency is information. That's the, it, is a, it is a business exchange. I want to hear more about the containers, though. So why do you think the feds are doing this? Why would they, take, why would they purposely put up or, or tell uh, Arizona they can't put up uh, containers? Because they want the agenda of Obama is to bring 100 million. It's not there yet. So they're trying uh, to bring as many as possible before the election. They're coming by the droves. It is so sad. It is sad. And the child trafficking and the drugs, it is horrible what is happening to our American children right now. Well, let me ask you this. Do, uh, do they, I, I think they're under a mistaken impression that they can control these people once they get here. Because you've told no, me that No, they don't illegal, know. Well, but that's the question, they though. Don't See, care. They think, I think they think they can. I think they think they're all no. going to vote Democrat. No? Well, yeah, in a way, yes. They think they're going to vote for them because they are allowed them in. But you know right. what? A lot of these illegals coming in, they're not voting for them. No, I got to See, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm asking not, about. So, no. How does that work? A lot, a lot of these illegals, they're running from communists. Why should they vote for these people? No, they're not voting for them. No. Yeah. But See, that's unless what I'm they're paying about. you a, a hundred thousand bucks or, or, or five hundred, whatever they're paying people to go vote, and there's already a lot of fraud already in this election. Yep. So I hope they cancel this election and fix the 2020 first before we continue. But I don't know what's going to happen. It's just crazy. So who knows? Okay. But it is, it's sad how are destroying America. And like you said a few minutes ago, everything that this corrupt fraud, communist, left, no good, Democrats, everything will be deleted, including that Supreme Court woman that was put in. She's fake in there. Everything will be deleted. What do you mean deleted? Meaning it's all under a fake precedent. This is not legal, everything that they're doing. 
Well, and actually, Trump can write an executive day. order. Trump can write an executive order. I don't want to wait that long. You know, I'd love to have him back in earlier, like January uh, uh, 21st of, of 2023, next year. But uh, and then he, he that is, my reading of the Constitution, he can still. I don't think he's going to. Uh, now, he, or let me ask yes, you guys a question will. on this too. Have you read um, there's something an article I was going to get to uh, sometime in this next hour on uh, McCarthy? Kevin McCarthy said he's not going to pursue impeachment. He's not going to pursue anything against, um, you know, the, the Brandon insurrection. I mean, he's responsible for Brandon getting in the White House, as is Mitch McConnell. So as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, he's already announced he's the next Paul Rhino. He's Paul Ryan again. And he's going to stop mm-hmm. the GOP from doing anything that would affect the deep state or the Democrats. Uh, I don't know, but all these people are going to be arrested. But I can hardly wait. I got my, I got bags and bags of popcorn, and I'm going to have a party <laughs> just to watch all these people going down. And they know yeah. it, it, it's coming. Their time is done. Corruption See, I think the fix is, is in. Yeah, I think all yeah. these people that are excited about the Republicans coming in, if Kevin McCarthy runs the House and Mitch McConnell runs the Senate, there's, nothing's going to happen. You might as well have elected Democrats. I think Mitch McConnell should be arrested, and I think he will. No, and I don't many think he'll be arrested. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of these people will be arrested because they're part of the, the corruption. Yeah. They've been uh, stealing money. They, they've been trying to make deals. Before something is going to go on, they already know ahead of time, and they invest, and they do all this stuff. They're right. behind this whole corruption. Mitch McConnell should be in prison for a long time. Yeah, but I don't think that's realistic. Well, they got that's immunity. <clears throat> yeah. They, got, they have immunity when carrying out their normal functions in their office. So that has never been defined. So they have immunity. They're not going to do a sale of say. They're not going to be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. That's just like prosecutorial, just like well, prosecutorial immunity when uh, you have prosecutors for cities that uh, is caught up in doing bad things, they can't. They not prosecuted. Hey, we're gonna play you. the same. Ga- wait, wait, wait. Go we're gonna play mm-hmm. the same little game. If we can arrest innocent people just because they were marching, and a lot of these people were arrested because they were. Uh, they were there after the curfew, and a lot of people did not know. And they they arrested them, and now they're accusing them that they they were inside the Capitol, which a lot of them they were not. Um, if we can play the same little game, we can arrest them from fraud, stealing money, and we have evidence. They don't have evidence on these people in prison right now at all. So the well, game yeah, is going to turn the, around. They're being held without habeas corpus. That's what they've been doing. And they should receive mm-hmm. reparations for the damage that's caused. Oh, they will. What I'm talking about officials. Officials mm-hmm. carry that immunity, just like an ambassador. Ambassador can come to the United States. They can run mm-hmm. red lights and, and have parking tickets, but they're immune from any action for what they have been charged with. Mm-hmm. Yeah corrupt. The system is corrupt and it's been corrupt. We do not know. That's why they oh, do Donald now. Trump because Yeah. Josie, do you have Trump more that you want to talk about? Did you have, did you have no. more specifics in your report? Um, okay, because I, I want to... Okay, because I got so something I, for you guys. I, I, fi- <clears throat> I fire my girls so I don't have help uh, during the week oh. until Friday and Saturday. Right now. Nah, yeah. She was sick all the time and uh, 
she worked four days and off for aid, and I cannot afford that. I'm running a business, not a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> not a welfare, not a welfare site. No. Yeah. She's a nice girl, but I have to let her go. And she goes, I'm a single mama. Hey, your child is sick, vomiting with fever. Now you're vomiting with fever and all that, and she's coming to work sick, and she's going to get me sick and my husband, and we're the only ones running the show. And then her little girl was rushed to the emergency room too, so I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not running. I don't have help, and I need help. And No, it's just not good. Hmm. She had a lot of issues, poor thing. That's too bad. I'm running a yeah. business. I have to think business-wise. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, what were you you don't have to be me? sorry. Uh, that's that's just life, you know. Yeah. When you work at a job, you're life, so the whole, yeah. people forget that the reason you work at a job is to make more money for your employer than they pay you. That's why you do it. Yeah. And so you get paid, but you make more for the employer. That's the whole point of employment is to hire labor that will work for the company and make the company more money. Uh, and that's the difference is what's called profit. <laughs> you know, that's why you do it. So if someone's working for you and you're paying them ten bucks an hour, they better be generating fifteen dollars worth of income. Per hour yeah, for the and and the first thing she go, oh, but you're a Christian woman. Don't be giving me that Christian thing. My Christianity <laughs> have nothing to do by me running my business the right way. And yeah. everybody comes to that the stupidity. So no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. No, no, no. Just a guilt trip. Oh, but you're a Christian woman. <laughs> and and the other little girl that works Fridays and Saturdays, she doesn't obey. She's with the phone all the time, and she has her iPhone in her wrist. And her big phone in her pocket that is bigger than her. And I already told her, I don't know how many times, that phone needs to be in your purse. And she's handing clothes to the customer. And then she stands there and texting. And I'm like, I feel like I'm a policeman after her. And I don't have time for that. So yeah. I don't know. She might be going next. <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah. sick well, let me uh, let me let me leave your your employment things behind. I want to get some uh, some other stuff sure. here. I found a website. Well, here's one that I get to periodically. PJ Media, and PJ Media has an article by Robert Spencer who does Jihad Watch. So if you want to know what's going on with the Muslim extremist world, Robert Spencer and Jihad Watch. I actually got to interview him um, during the fair conference in uh, Washington D.C. Josie, remember when I did that conference? It was my first conference. I was gone for about a week or so. Yeah, uh, I was in Washington. I, I got to meet. I met Michelle Malkin. I met Robert Spencer. I met the head of Fair. I met all these amazing people, uh, and and WBY lost all those interviews, all those amazing interviews. It's the only thing they ever lost. I got the other ones, but they lost those, which is really kind of tragic. Anyway, Robert Spencer, someone I met who I want to get back on the show. In fact, I've already pulled his email address. I, I still have it. So he says, the stupid party, Kevin McCarthy says GOP won't move to impeach Biden or administration officials. Robert Spencer, October 20th. So this would have been Wednesday. Or which was today? 24th. So it been, yeah, last week. Uh, last Thursday. All right. So he says, in America today, we have a two-party system, the stupid party and the evil party. The evil party sets the agenda and pursues its aims relentlessly and ruthlessly. The stupid party registers polite token opposition and then fully agrees to whatever the evil party wants, occasionally only arguing that it can implement the evil party's program more effectively than the evil party itself. We saw this play out yet again Wednesday when stupid party House leader Kevin McCarthy, S of California, (laughs) he doesn't give an R, he gives him an S, right, but the stupid party, downplayed any talk of impeaching old Joe Biden or any of his cronies if the stupids retake the House in the midterm elections. McCarthy is still playing by rules that the evil party discarded long ago, and that's why he and his fellow stupid party members keep losing. 
McCarthy declared that Americans, quote, don't like impeachment used for political purposes at all. That's a bunch of nonsense. And added that the country wants to heal. They sound like Bill Clinton. He says, and see a, quote, system that actually works. Now you guys know why I created Action Radio. These people are incapable of writing decent legislation. Then he says, and then the article says, that means there will be no impeachment proceedings against Biden or Democrat of Homeland Security, DHS Secretary, or Department of Homeland Security, uh, Secretary, former Disinformation Governance Board Supreme Overlord, Alejandro Mayorkas, or Gestapo Chief Merrick Garland, leave billions of dollars worth of material in Afghanistan for our enemies to use against us. No problem. Open the southern border so that untold numbers of criminals and terrorists can waltz right into the country. Jesse, that's what you're talking about. Hey, we all make mistakes. Then it says uh, the woke FBI uh, against parents protesting at school board meetings against the far left agenda in public schools. We all get carried away. Impeachment? Forget it. It wouldn't be the decent thing to do. So I got more out of this article here, but that, that's basically the gist of it. Um, and I'm gonna, I've already posted in my page, and I think it's on the Action Radio group page. But PJ Media, Fencer, October 20th. The stupid party and the evil party. The Republicans have already conceded power to the Democrats, and we haven't even had the midterms yet. I knew they were going to do this. I told you they were going to do this. I, I knew it when they didn't go for a two-thirds majority. I knew it all the time when they didn't declare all the things they were going to do, you know, once they actually got in office. Some people are, but the leadership, they've already declared, they've already waved the white flag. There will be no victory if the Republicans win in, in November, in next month, because they've already conceded defeat. They've already raised the white flag. They've already surrendered. So the worst possible thing that can happen is for Kevin McCarthy to stay to become Speaker of the House and for Mitch McConnell to remain Majority Leader in the Senate, because they have effectively given up already before the election has even taken place. I believe, I believe the reason they don't want to do impeachment is because it's a lot of money for the American people, and they don't want uh, Kamala Harris as president at all. There's no reason you impeach her, too. As She's part of the coup. She'd be impeached along with him. No, I'm just saying impeach Biden. They should be impeached, both of them. They both should be in handcuffs, both of mm-hmm. them. I can hardly wait to see that. But the question is, well, see, number three. Yeah, but let's get to the reality. The reality is a, is a coup took place. But Brandon, for all of his policies, all of his executive orders, everything he's done illegally, you could impeach him over the border wall alone, letting in X yeah. millions of people. That's impeachable. Yeah. That's a, that's a breach of federal law. Okay. Everything yeah. else he did, you know, the, you could, the entire inflation thing is all on his shoulders. Every law that he's broken, every, every executive order he's issued that he can't issue. You know, I'm not talking about that, even, the, if, even if you were legally president, a lot of his executive orders are unconstitutional. They're breaking you can impeach him for law. any one of them. And they're giving our gas, our emergency. If this is emergency for the American people. Well, that's impeachable too. Not to too. give our, our oil to yeah. China. Yeah, no, using the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, well, because he's ambassador to China, basically, but using the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as an election price-reducing gimmick, that's impeachable. Yeah, So where's Kevin is. McCarthy? Why, why would anybody vote for, for Kevin McCarthy for speaker? Anybody that votes for him for speaker is useless. I don't like him at all. And again, like this goes to the fact that you cannot have members of, of Congress belong to a political party. Because they serve the party, the party serves the party, and nobody is serving the people. Yep. It is, uh, it is a mess. But I believe uh, Putin is going to release all the evidence of the Bidens right before the election. It's coming. Well, I'm gonna, uh, let's find out. 
So, so let me get yeah. your predictions down now. So, so it's now October 25th. I have just renewed my flight instructor certificate. I am good for two years. Life is great. Yesterday was the sixth anniversary of my open heart surgery. Good. I'm feeling pretty cool. Okay. So cool. on this day, October 25th, Josie predicts for the November before it's going to happen before the November election. Let's get it all down officially. I want to replay this. I already told you. November 9th. <laughs> okay. So, all right, go ahead. November 9th is my birthday, actually. Happy birthday mm. to you. Happy birthday to you. Don't wake up with an election hangover. And we you need know, you back on the air, too. 20, Go ahead. For 2020, my husband goes, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, Donald Trump, and he won, and I was celebrating. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> November okay. 9th. All right. So, so all right, let's get to Is there any my predictions prediction that you, you want to make? That they're going to cancel this election because the uh, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all these people are starting to harass people so they don't go vote. Mm-hmm. There's, there's already people trying to stop people to go vote early, you know, to put it in the boxes or whatever. Okay. Uh, but, but they don't have to do that. They see, unless mm-hmm. the Republicans get a two-thirds majority, then Brandon can literally block everything that the Republicans try to do. So they've already won. There's no need to cheat on this election. This is what I'm saying. The Republican, mm-hmm. under, the, under McCarthy and McConnell, they've already surrendered. They've already raised the white flag. They've already said they're not going to impeach. And they've done this before. They did the same thing um, in 2016. Oh, we're not going to impeach. We're not going to do anything against Obama. Nope. Nope. We're just yeah. going to, we're going to yeah. heal. We've got to come together. We've got to sing Kumbaya. You know, we've got to feel each other's pain, whatever that means. Remember when Clinton said, I'll well, feel your pain. Donald- Donald like Trump did not want to impeach Obama. That's why. Okay. In 2016. Okay. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, would have been a lot of fuss. Wouldn't, wouldn't have worked anyway. And he was a terrible president. You know, whether he actually broke the law in terms of high crimes and misdemeanors. In the sense of the Constitution, absolutely. But in the sense of prosecutable laws, I don't think it really mattered. <clears throat> the best thing, the, the, his major crime was, was uh, misrepresenting himself running for president as a natural-born citizen. I that was the biggest crime. The reason, the reason they don't want to impeach, the reason they don't want to arrest anybody yet from 2016 till right now, this year, it's because they're trying to allow them to continue their crimes so they can be fully charged with everything. Because no, see, but see this is where that falls apart. Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense, when though, Donald because once Trump, you've, uh, you know, you once you've committed a crime, <laughs> you know, it doesn't get worse, you know, the next time but you, know, you can, you can add worse. to it. Nah, nah. Once it's once you've oh, got yeah. evidence of a crime, yeah. you can prosecute. You don't wait for a bank robber to rob ten banks. Saying, "Well, so we can get a bigger but sentence now. We robbed ten banks." Not just a nah. few. No, nah, I don't believe it. Oh, you want to get wrong. them all? Nope, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. All Unless right. You, you, on that yeah. note. Oh, okay. On that go. note, I have to go earn a living. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for your report, and thank you for for letting uh, Brianna, you know, extend into your report. But yeah, uh, I think it was fine. well worth it. All yeah. right. Pretty cool. See you soon. God bless. God bless you too. And we'll take a little break now and be Bye, back Josie. the next hour. Bye, Josie. <laughs> there we go. Eddie, you know I'll be back. In the... Oh, go ahead. Before I hit the uh, uh, the Mike, uh, Mike um, Lindell button. Yeah, go ahead. The last time that the Washington Redskins won uh, a Super Bowl, the woke crowd has went back and changed their name. Right. In other words, they don't. When they were before, they had this woke movement, 
back 10 years ago, mm-hmm. they were the Washington Redskins. Well, they want to go back in history and change their name. Because mm. they, the name didn't exist then. And they're doing it with uh, some other uh, organization, too. <laughs> now, okay. this is ridiculous. You want to go back in history 100 years and change the name of a product because in the present time, you consider that as being deplorable. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I understand, but it's, uh, it, it is ridiculous, but it's, it's uh, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we've got bigger problems, <laughs> quite frankly. Let me take a quick break, and I'll be back in a couple minutes. I want to talk about uh, Pfizer fizzle, the coming death of total liability immunity, which is the title of the show today. And as usual, we get to it <laughs> in the third hour. So I'll be back in just a little bit. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Also, if you want to contribute, we have a givesendgo.com slash Action Radio account. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. 
We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. So I'm going to go on the big limb right here. In fact, the title of the show is is going out on a big limb anyway, but that's nothing new for us here. The title of the show, Pfizer Fizzle, The Coming Death of Total Liability Immunity. So the single biggest problem, the single reason we have mandates, the single reason we have all these vaccines being forced upon us that aren't vaccines, the single reason that uh, um, all this stuff is out there and that everybody's making all this money off it, Dr. Fascist is making money, uh, the government's making money, the the pharmaceutical companies are making money, uh, big tech who invests heavily in pharmaceuticals, they're making money. Everybody's making money because there is no product liability on vaccine makers. Now, we all know the story. We know that back in 1986, uh, during the Reagan administration, uh, Big Pharma convinced, or actually bought, as they usually do, uh, they bought uh, their propaganda, which said that we can't develop vaccines if we have liability, because that will stifle competition. That will, that will hurt us. We'll not be able to, we're not going to be able to, to heal the children. I'll say to Clinton for some reason. I'm not sure why. Maybe I'm getting older. So Bill Clinton said, I'll feel your pain. And that's when he started talking like this. Anyway, but the point of this is that it, was, it never should have been done. Uh, it was insane. Um, to eliminate liability from something that's injected into your body, into your bloodstream, and nobody knows exactly what it is. Why would anybody in their right mind do this? Well, the answer is they wouldn't. But we're not talking about people in, in their right minds. We're talking about people that are being paid to do a certain thing. So Big Pharma paid the Reagan administration and paid Congress and, and uh, bribed all the right people to get uh, something that even your local donut shop doesn't have, <clears throat> and that is complete immunity from, from the products they're producing. Okay. So in other words, if you find a bug in your donut, you can go back to your donut and, and they're liable for that. You know, even whether they knew it or not, you know, you can be liable by being negligent. It doesn't mean they did it purposely. If they, if they did it purposely, then it's fraud. Like the Pinto gas tank. You want to talk about product liability? That's probably one of the biggest cases of liability was when, uh, when Ford, when the bean counters at Ford uh, decided that they could make more money, you know, by leaving the gas tank where it was close to the bumper so that when it was hit, Above a certain speed, it would catch fire and explode, and the deaths resulting from that fiery inferno created in the back of a Pinto. I actually rode in the back of a Pinto. You know, my folks rented one. We drove all over Vancouver and in much places where it's kind of touring the United States at that point. I was 10 years old, and I rode in the back of a Pinto. Uh, and I'm here because that Pinto was not hit. But if it was hit, there'd be nothing I could do because you couldn't climb out fast enough. The explosions happened so fast, I wouldn't be here. So as all of us have a bunch of reasons why we're not here, that's just one of the many reasons that I'm here uh, when the chances were I could have been not here. Anyway, so the point being that uh, the bean counters committed fraud. They said, well, this car is, you know, safe and effective. <laughs> if you'll mind me, you know, borrowing a phrase there. Um, and they decided that uh, the, the, the lawsuits resulting from the deaths uh, of people would cost less than spending $9 per, per pinto moving it forward, moving the gas tank forward. So the bean counters calculated that that was the thing to do. That's what they did. It came out in court, and Ford had to pay billions. That's why you don't see Pintos on the road anymore, okay? Uh, That's why a lot of times you don't see Corvairs on the road anymore, 
because of uh, uh, Ralph Nader, uh, Citizen Action, Unsafe at Any Speed. You know, he did an expose of all the people that were killed in the Corvair, and that included Ernie Kovacs, uh, James Dean. Uh, no, I don't know. He's killed in the Porsche. I'm sorry. But there were, there were a few celebrities killed in, in uh, the Corvairs. And what GM did was they actually fixed it. They fixed the tires, the tire pressures, things like that. And it actually became quite a safe car. So you see Corvairs on the road. But you don't see Pintos. You will not see a pinto on the road because it's a death trap, all right? That's product liability. That's what it's for. You punish the company that either knew, in which case it's fraud as well as product liability, or didn't knew, in which case it's negligence, you know, and product liability. You punish them with, with huge lawsuits to ensure that companies don't do this again. So why on earth would our donut shops and, and, our, and our shoe salespeople, you know, if they, if they have like a nails exposed in your shoe, okay? I'm just, just pulling things out of my, my head here. Examples of product liability. You know, if you pull your spaghetti package out of the shelf and it's got, you know, bug crawls out of it. You know, all these different things they are liable for. If you buy a bunch of new tires and they go flat immediately, all four of them, guess what? Somebody's liable for that. Either the gas station or the manufacturer or somebody else. Okay? That's what product liability is all about. Product liability ensures that companies cannot willfully put unsafe products uh, and get away with it. Except, you know, vaccine manufacturers. So why do we tolerate this? I have no idea. Congress, if anybody was adequately representing us, would never tolerate this. They would never tolerate a situation where one business gets a, an exemption that no other business has. Okay? You know, uh, airplanes, airliners are not exempt. You know, um, food companies are not exempt. Uh, manufacturers of, of products, consumer products, computers. If your computer blows up, I shouldn't say that sitting in front of my computer, but if it does, you know, the Apple's liable for that. You know, so that's the, you know, unless it was induced by me. See, that's the difference. So if you do it, so here's an example of what's not product liability. The woman that uh, put coffee, you know, in her legs while she was driving, you know, out of a McDonald's out of the takeout window, spilled coffee all over her legs, got burned horribly, and sued McDonald's. That is not McDonald's fault. McDonald's was that would actually be liable if they served cold coffee and call it hot. They do it hot to make sure that bacteria, germs, and other things don't get in it. So that's, a, that's, not, that's not product liability. That's just stupidity. That would be a frivolous product liability lawsuit, even though she got away with it. But that's the definition. So, so if you're going to look at product liability, you have to decide whether it's, it's you know, actual liability or whether it's frivolous. You know, if you do something stupid, you know, that's why you have those rid- ridiculous warning labels. You know, do not wash your microwave in the bathtub. <laughs> You know, because some idiot probably washed their microwave in the bathtub with it plugged in and died. Oh, gee, you know, is, is the manufacturer of the microwave liable for that? No, that's not what they're intended to be used for. Okay, so you don't do that. But that's why you see stupid warnings on products because people do stupid things with them. Anyway, but actual product liability, a company that puts a product out there that they have not tested, that'd be negligence, or that they knew was, was dangerous, like the Ford Pinto, they are liable. So with no product liability at all, they can make all the money they want. Because, you know, they can, the, the government can have mandates. Now, why would the government issue mandates? Well, because all the people in government in, in, big, in, in big health, you know, the NIH, you know, Dr. Fascist. I mean, we all talk about Dr. Fascist. You all know who I mean, right? Okay. Fauci? Right. So Dr. Fascist, the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher, Dr. Fascist, makes money. Makes, I think, millions, possibly billions, but certainly millions of dollars. Off licenses. See, there was another law passed in 77 or 76, the Dole Buy Act, that said that government people could make money off their inventions. Okay? Now, if you work for uh, uh, like Westinghouse and you invented the light bulb or you invented some product, okay? if you're working for a company and you invent something because you're working for the company, they get the patent. You don't because okay? you're working for them. So they get the royalties. They get the, well, you might have the patent, but they get the royalties. They get the money. And they do that by contract because you're a contract inventor. 
that's your job. You know, do you think the person that invents a brand new thing at Apple, whoever invented the iPhone, do you think they can walk away and start their own company? You go, hey, look what I found. I invented this. That's not Apple's. No, because they're working for Apple. Okay? That's how that works. All right? So, so, the, so those, are, those are how these things go. Now, government officials should not be in business because that's a conflict of interest. To have government officials make money from things that they create or invent is a conflict of interest because now they're engaging in commerce and government. They're regulating the very business that they, I mean, they're earning money from the business they're regulating. That's a conflict of interest. That shouldn't be, and yet it is. So we'll work on that uh, government making money at another time. It's more important to put liability back on big pharma. So here's what's happening right now. This is what you don't know. Um, One of my friends and a world-renowned microbiologist, molecular biologist, uh, biochemist, uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, is presenting at conferences all over the country, because that's where she goes, our bill on vaccine product liability. Okay? It is now circulating in the country. Other people are doing it too. Dr. Zelenko, of the Zelenko protocol that, that was given to President Trump early in 2020, his name is on this bill. His name's on another bill too that he helped me write. God rest his soul, he passed on, but I'll tell you, I miss him. <laughs> He's a friend of mine. Uh, I've lost some friends already on this, 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 uh, this Dr. Peter Pry, who used to be on the show. He was on for four years. Uh, I believe he died of a COVID shot. This actor, in fact, we'll talk about this in a little bit, too. This actor, uh, Leslie uh, Jordan, I think that's his name, the one from um, whatever that TV show was. You saw him on uh, Little Guy. Well, let me drag up that article right now. New York Post had an article on this guy. I think he died of a COVID shot, and I'll tell you why as soon as I find the article. It's this one. Is it that one? Yeah. I think it's this one. Nope, those are, those are my laws. Got my loss here too, so we get to go over those. Let me just pull up my my mini, mini articles here, and let's go to Leslie Jordan. There we go. That's his name. So this is the New York Post this morning. Leslie Jordan dead at 67. Beloved actor dies in car crash. That's not true. <laughs> okay. If you read this, the, it says the oh the Will and Grace show. That's what it was. So the Will and Grace star who became a social media sensation during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was trying to find out if he was pushing the vaccine. I imagine so. That's that's how one becomes a sensation during the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. So he probably got a whole bunch of vaxes. Then it says, crashed his BMW into the side of a building in Los Angeles on Monday morning. He believed Jordan suffered a medical emergency while behind the wheel. Now, what kind of a medical emergency behind the wheel would cause you to crash into a building? Oh, I don't know. A heart attack? A stroke? Both? <laughs> okay. What well-known product do we know causes heart attacks and strokes in those that are, are getting on in years? The COVID shot. The COVID jab causes this. All right. So they say is believe Jordan for a medical emergency. You can't tell me they don't know what that medical emergency was. You can tell a heart attack from a stroke instantly. People that know how to do this can tell you exactly whether it's a heart attack or a stroke. What other medical emergency is going to cause you to instantly crash into a building other than a heart attack or a stroke? I can't think of it. Brain to death? You know, what's going to cause it? That's a stroke, right? So, so your heart rate, what, your lungs collapse all of a sudden? <clears throat> I don't know. Any med- I mean, cancer will kill your lungs, but it doesn't happen instantly. So what other Medical emergency can cause you incapacitation, not about gunshots or things like that, but what other medical emergency can cause you to be incapacitated such that you crash a car into a building with sufficient force to kill yourself? Heart attack or stroke, the only things that come to mind. Okay? So, and what causes heart attack and stroke? The cushion. But they're not saying that. They're not even saying what the medical emergency was. No, I bet they know. Then it goes to other things, yada, yada, he was a wonderful guy. And he was a wonderful guy. I saw him, they played a, a Gutfeld clip of him last night. Cool guy. That's not the point. The point is, somebody should be liable for that. His family can sue big for all they want. They're not getting a dollar, you know, from him. It looks like 
like he just booster like three weeks ago, and all of a sudden he just into a bill. That affects us, as far as I'm concerned, because we know, we know, there's the evidence, the studies are out there, that the COVID jab causes myocarditis, which is a swelling of the heart. That was supposed to happen to me if I didn't have heart surgery. That's why I had heart surgery. So I didn't get a swelling of the heart. That's why I'm still here in Perky. You know, instead of one function dying uh, if I did the surgery. It would have been a little later. Okay? So I did get the surgery, and I'm fine, which is great. The surgery works. Modern medicine really does some good things. They almost killed me with blood thinning, but that's another story. I'll talk about the drugs later. The drugs are what the, is the problem with modern medicine. The surgery, I think they do very well. I have nothing but the highest compliments for the people that actually went through my ribcage, you know, past my lungs, into my heart, trimmed valve to fit properly, and went back again, set it up, didn't cause a massive infection, fixed my heart, so I don't pump without a armor at all. That is a miracle. Then they tried to kill me with blood thinners because they thought I might get a stroke. Well, what causes a stroke? Inactivity. I was the most active heart patient I think they've ever had. I was up immediately in the day I had surgery. That's very unusual. So are the chances of me getting a stroke? Well, next to none. Well, blood thinners also killed me with my fluid. I don't talk as much on the show with good reason. It's kind of disgusting. Since, since yesterday was the, uh, the sixth anniversary of my heart surgery, it's kind of interesting to note that it, you know, I had a one in five chance of dying if I didn't get the surgery. So, like I say. So, modern medicine. But who's liable for those drugs? You know, is the, you know, had this, had I been able to put that, uh, you know, cause my, my lung to collapse, the left lung to collapse almost entirely, almost suffocating me with fluid. If I could prove that was the blood thinners, would I be entitled to millions of dollars? Absolutely. Don't know if I could prove it. At the time, didn't care. I was just glad to be alive. <laughs> Get all that stuff draining out of my chest and have it not come back. Well, I'll never take blood thinners again. But that doesn't matter. The, that company, if I could show that, if I could, it could have taken it to court, they were liable for that. They would be liable for those blood thinners, filling my chest with fluid and almost suffocating me three weeks after open-heart surgery that I survived quite well, thank you, because the surgery was great. But they would have been liable. So what if I had a COVID jab and then had the surgery and died on the operating table? Would, uh, would anybody be able to sue Big Pharma for that? Nope. You know, look at the, the almost million people that died of COVID that went through the remdesivir ventilator death march that had COVID shots that might have contributed heavily to them getting COVID in the first place. Can you sue the manufacturers? Nope. They have full product liability immunity. Now, back to Judy Mikovits. So Dr. Mikovits is going on the country. She's got a slide. We work on the slide. She's presenting slides. At the conference. She's presenting slides all over the country during her talks on COVID saying this is the solution. This is the cure to the mandates and to the, to the jab. Make big pharma liable again. If they are liable, if they are financially responsible for all the injuries and deaths that they are causing, I guarantee you, you'll see the most instant and massive recall in manufactured product history. Every jab will be off the market, and they will beg for Congress to say, oh, it only counts for events after the law was passed. No, it doesn't. Okay, so the way I've written the law, the way I've written the law that there's no clause. Now, Congress may try to do that, and we may have to fight them on this. So be prepared for that, because that's what Big Pharma is going to say. It doesn't count, you know, if it happens after the law is passed. And that's what they're going to say. I'll tell you, I just, I just thought that just now. Now, now. I'm not giving them secrets. They already know this. They have lawyers. Believe me, when they hear about this law, that's the first thing they're going to say. Well, it doesn't count anything after that. And we're going to have to lobby Congress to say, no, you make it open. You make it open so that any event with a vaccine 
is able to be uh, held liable uh, in court of law. That's how you do it. So why do I think this is, that this is coming? Because Judy's talking about it. A bunch of other folks are talking about it. I've heard rumors that there are, uh, there are going to be uh, ads in newspapers on this bill. I have heard rumors that uh, I'm hoping this is going to be news stories. I've already been on Emerald Robinson at Lindell TV talking about this vaccine uh, bill that removes uh, liability immunity, puts liability back on vaccine makers. Okay. This is coming. I absolutely believe this is coming. I don't know how or when. I can't predict the future. All I can do is help create it. <laughs> so I wrote the bill. Judy's talking about the bill. She's the advocate. Uh, we have various people. We talked about it on our, on our World's Greatest Doctors panel. So this is coming. This is coming. It is going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know when. But this is what Action Radio was created to do, basically to give us our freedom in the maximum way possible to the most amount of people. And the way we get free is we get free of mandates. We get free of these jabs. We get free of these things unless those companies are held liable. Because I guarantee you, once vaccine liability comes back, most of the vaccines will be off the market. And that's a good thing. You don't need them anyway. Because people are so scared of getting a disease. You know, why would you be scared of getting a disease we have a treatment for? Okay, now think about that. So why would you take a vaccine for a disease that we have a treatment and a cure for? Oh, doctors can't say cure. There's some, something in their, 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 their regulations that can't say cure. But I'm not a doctor, so I can say it, all right? Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, vitamin C, vitamin D3, and zinc cure COVID. Okay? Is that an official medical statement? No. But look at the overwhelming evidence of the people that have been cured of COVID taking, you know, hydroxychloroquine. Vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, and, and azithromycin, the, the Solenco protocol, okay? So if you want to find out how effective a treatment is, ask all the people that survived. If you want to find out how ineffective a treatment is, look at all the people that died. So what's happening to those on remdesivir ventilators? They're dying. So obviously that treatment doesn't work, even though that's the recommended treatment. Why is it recommended? Because it sells remdesivir. Makes big government people rich and makes big pharma rich. Makes big tech rich. So they don't care how many people they kill. The government's paying $130,000 per COVID death. You know, from, from the initial tests to the hospitalization, through the remdesivir, through the ventilators, even to the coroner who makes money off the death. All along the way, COVID pays more than, you know, your life is worth $130,000 to big pharma, health, and big tech. Sorry. <laughs> That's just the reality. And nobody's liable. Nobody's liable for anything they're doing because we've got a declaration of emergency. Oh, my bill gets rid of that, too. That's the first thing it does. Well, actually, the first thing that gets rid of the, the vaccine compensation system that you taxpayers are paying for, because right? you don't need that. Big Pharma is going to pay. Second thing it does is gets rid of the declaration of emergency. All right? The third thing it does, and the most important, the two places in law where it says that vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable, we take out the word not. We say the vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable for their products. And the last is a provision called preemption. And in state and federal law, we have two clauses which say that neither the federal government nor the state governments can make it harder for you to file a product liability lawsuit against Big Pharma. So we take care of everything. Although I think I might have a clause that says this law shall take uh, that uh, previous, you know, previous injuries. I wonder if I can do that. Would that be ex post facto? I'm not sure. I'm actually have to talk to a lawyer on this one. Anyway, that's it. That's, uh, that's why I think it's coming, because the overwhelming evidence, the overwhelming deaths, the overwhelming injuries, uh, the overwhelming resistance to mandates is going to make it such that people are not going to stand for these mandates and the fact that there's no productability for big pharma much longer. Now, are the Republicans going to do anything about it? Nope. I haven't even mentioned it. There is no bill coming out of the commitment to America from the socialists 
fascist Kevin McCarthy, the communist Mitch McConnell. Oh, he's probably fascist, too, because he's connected to Chinese business. There is nothing coming out of the Republican Party. It is a non-issue. Nobody except us has mentioned vaccine product liability as a midterm election issue. We are it. This is the only place. Why is that? Well, Big Farmers bought everybody else. They haven't bought me. They haven't bought Action Radio. Maybe they'd like to. <laughs> Maybe an offer. Go ahead. <laughs> I'd love to turn it down. Maybe I'll take the money and just keep it anyway. I don't know. I haven't decided. But the point is that uh, Big Pharma has suppressed me. You know, they suppressed our whole station here. Not Blog Talk, my show. <laughs> when I say my station, I say my show. So Action Radio is completely suppressed. They don't want you knowing that there's a bill out there to put full product liability on vaccine makers. Isn't that interesting? I think it is. Here's the other thing that's happening, too. Uh, let me just take a break here for a second and see if uh, Pianca wants to make a comment on uh, what I thought was going to be a few minutes worth of commentary has now run about 25. <laughs> Pianca, are you with me? Questions? Yeah, everything sounds pretty good. Okay. Well, I'm going to hear from Judy. I'm going to talk to her sometime today and see what the, what the latest efforts are. But she's the premier vaccine product liability immunity um, lobbyist in the country today. She's carrying the ball for this. And we're hoping more people will pick it up and more news agencies will pick it up. I think they will. But, um, and she's the authority. She's known worldwide. So she's doing amazing work right now. I'm really impressed. So that's where we stand. Should be interesting. Pianchi, do you... Well, that there should have... Uh, that there should have drew up a red flag for consumers when they exempt these manufacturers from being liable further prosecution and settlement. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, they have a warning label on cigarettes. You know, the Surgeon General has determined that this might uh, cause cancer, you know, be dangerous to your health, right? So where's the warning label? <laughs> you know, but of course, the tobacco company, remember Big Tobacco? Big Tobacco was held liable. They had product, it's a great example, product liability for their cigarettes. Yes. You know? And somebody needs to challenge that because I don't think it would have good standing. That'd be like Tell saying me. that uh, you should take the liability off of a down power uh, power company on a down power line, saying that people mm-hmm. shouldn't have stepped on it. Well, no, I think power lines, power companies are liable for those lines, and they do warn people stay away from down power lines. So they're doing what they can as far as that goes. And common sense would tell most people, yeah, I know, parents, but, you know, tell your kids. Yes, they are <laughs> liable. But if one fall and people step on it, then that'd be like saying that the company is not liable for yeah. the death that occurs. Well, and it's interesting, too, because you have, you know, do they take reasonable efforts to, to do something about it? If there's a hurricane and the power lines are down, the, the warning goes out. Do not step on the power lines. Do not come in contact with the power lines. Do not touch water that's touching the power lines. Don't get near the power lines in any way that you can get a shock from those power lines. Now, they can't get to all of them right away. So I think there'd be a, I don't think they'd be liable in the sense that they're dealing with an emergency. So that would be an emergency declaration, like Hurricane Ian, right? So Hurricane Ian goes across Florida, and there was a bunch of down power lines. Now, I don't know if anybody uh, was hurt by those. I mentioned some people were, and we don't hear about the cases. But would the company be liable? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Because the power line was functioning properly as the company designed it until the hurricane. So that would, be called, that would come under what they call an act of God. So there are, there are exceptions to product liability with acts of God. So in other words, if your house is built to code and a hurricane comes and destroys your house, is the builder responsible? Not if they built to code. 
You know, if they, you know, because because the hurricane's an act of God. Now, should you build a round house in a hurricane area? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, I, there's a company that does that. I think it's called Dell Tech or something like that. They actually make round homes, and they're they're hurricane resistant because yeah, the air goes around. Monolithic dome. Yeah, no, it's a, well, there's they actually are, it's a round house. It's got like 14 sides, but they build it in a way, and they have a round top. They build it in a way that the wind is diffused around it. It's kind of like an airfoil, like a round airfoil. So the wind goes around the hurricane as opposed to crashing into it. Uh, creating high pressure on one side, low pressure on the other, and, you know, knocking your house down. Mm-hmm. The pressure is equalized on all sides, above, below, and to the side. Well, those uh, uh-huh. companies that put out products like pharmaceuticals, they should be liable. Yep. Uh, make sure that it's not liable. They should go through the proper length of time in order to do a mm-hmm. trial that would safeguard the citizens, the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't see that in many cases at a time with COVID vaccination. And when presidents like Obama come along and uh, issue executive orders, giving them uh, exemption from product liability, that there is problematic to me. Well, they can't do it. You know, I, I'd be curious if, if the electric cars are exempt uh, from uh, the liability of blowing up, you know, weeks after they get salt water in them from a hurricane. We've got electric cars that are blowing up all over Florida in the path of Hurricane Ian because they get salt water in. Salt water reacts with the battery, the lithium in the battery, and creates a chemical reaction which creates sparks, which creates fires. These things are exploding, sometimes weeks later. That's product liability. I don't don't know if they're exempt from that because it happened in a hurricane or whether it was a flaw in the design. I tend to think it was a flaw in the design. They should have known that salt water affects electric car batteries. But that's an interesting question. But here's another one, though. Doctors have malpractice insurance. Why do they have malpractice insurance? Well, because they're liable when they make a mistake. So if doctors have malpractice insurance, why wouldn't pharmaceuticals have vaccine liability insurance? That's what insurance is for, to cover when bad things happen. Interesting, huh? See, if if you don't have... If there's no ability to to be uh, sued for product liability, there's no need for a product liability insurance, and that saves billions of dollars. Here's the other thing about big pharma: we, the taxpayers, paid to develop those snake oil jabs. They didn't pay for it. They didn't pay for the research. They didn't pay for the manufacture. They didn't pay for the distribution. But yet they make all the profits. Well, how can that be? Profits are only supposed to be after all the costs. So if they don't have the cost of advertising, research and development, manufacture, storage, transportation, printing up of the brochure, the insert, and all the stuff that they have to do, if they don't have any of those costs, which they didn't, how is it they can make profits? And that is government interference in the market. It should be illegal. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Kyle Becker's article, October 22nd, exclusive. This is from the Wildfire Newsletter on Substack. A judge is about to rule on Pfizergate, on, a, on the Pfizergate case to hold Big Pharma accountable for COVID vaccine fraud. So liability is one thing. Fraud on top of liability is even worse. He says the last shred of hope for holding Big Pharma accountable for fraud now, re- now rests on a lawsuit against vaccine manufacturer Pfizer. In an update provided to Wildfire News, a judge is soon expected, and this is October 22nd, so this is about three days old, a judge is soon expected to, leave his, to issue his ruling on whether or not Pfizergate fraud uh, case proceeds to trial. I hope it does. So it says, the judge is deciding, as I type, <laughs> whether we will go to discovery 
or, or the case is dismissed. And that's from Pfizer whistleblower Brooke Jackson on Telling Wildfire News. Now, for those that don't know and didn't listen to our, our 18 weeks of the World's Greatest Doctors panel, Brooke Jackson, Pfizer whistleblower, was on the show. So we've already heard from her. Action Radio is always ahead of everybody else. Thanks to the doctors that were on that panel, we got to hear from Brooke Jackson directly. Go back and look at the show notes, folks. <laughs> you know, go back to blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action and go back to the titles and get the world's greatest doctors panel with Brooke Jackson. You can find it. Article says, after the CDC this week voted to add the COVID shots to its childhood vaccine schedule under the PREP Act, that's P-R-E-P, it has effectively been granted legal immunity to lawsuits. There is no legal immunity if Pfizer committed fraud, however. Let me say that again. That the immunity, in the PREP Act, I forgot what that stands for, but it's COVID stuff, the emergency declaration stuff, right? So if they've added childhood vaccines to the, to the childhood vaccine schedule, that takes away the liability because now it's officially sanctioned. Even though the CDC has no power to require it, that would come from the states uh, and the local governments down the school boards. But it says they have effectively been granted legal immunity to lawsuits. However, there's no legal immunity if Pfizer committed fraud. And we talked about the difference between fraud and negligence. That's why I talked about that. I knew I was going to get to this article. Then it says, in September, Pfizer whistleblower Brooke Jackson came forward with her explosive report about the company's alleged malfeasance, citing falsified data and manipulated clinical trials. In January, she filed a lawsuit against Pfizer for committing fraud against the American people. In February, the judge ruled that the lawsuit, being led by attorney Robert Barnes, uh, can proceed to pretrial discovery phase. It is now on the verge of potentially going to trial, and I can't wait. I'll get Mosley on this. He'll explain it to us. Back to the article. Brooke Jackson is a former clinical trial auditor who was fired after raising her concerns. Clinical trial. You know, clinical trials, well, you've got to have clinical trials, right? Well, she's the auditor. She's the, she's the person that made sure the clinical trials went properly, okay? That's what she did. So she knows what she's talking about. I heard her on the show. She's brilliant. Anyway, uh, she, says she first came forward with inside information and documented evidence about Pfizer's operations in a BMJ investigation conducted by Paul Thacker. I'm not sure who BMJ is. Uh, does it say here earlier anywhere? It says the, the report raises serious red flags that the FDA and Pfizer engaged in massive fraud to justify vaccine mandates. Think about that. FDA cooperating with Pfizer because they all make money. Well, how does FDA make money? All those clinical trials that Brooke Jackson was auditing, who do you think pays for those? Big Pharma pays for them. Who do they pay them to? The FDA. So the people that are being studied and regulated are the ones paying for the study to regulate them. So guess what happens? The FDA approves because they get money from the people they're supposed to be regulating and the ones they're supposed to be checking on their products and their safety. So if they don't say that they're safe and effective, they don't get the money. <laughs> okay? You know how this works. And because of that buy dole act, the government officials can make money off their inventions. Why do you think Moderna is in court with the National Institute of Health over money, over profits? The government people that want to license their patents to big pharma and make money off them while serving in government and regulating the very industry that they want to make money from, they're in court wrestling with Moderna for who gets the money. Moderna, I just learned recently, is a, was a creation. The, the, the word they came up with was, was modern and then RNA, messenger RNA. That the whole company was built for messenger RNA. It's a gene therapy company. So Moderna stands for Modern 
mRNA. Get it? <laughs> Modern RNA. Moderna. There we go. Oh, where was I? Next article. We got a quote here. It says, a regional director who was employed at the research organization Ventavia Research Group has told the BMJ that the company falsified data, unblinded patients, employed inadequately trained vaccinators, and was slow to follow up on adverse events reported in the Pfizer pivotal phase three trial. And that's the BMI. What's the, oh, B, I'm going to find what the BMI is. It's got to say so up here. Uh, manufacturer. Wildfire News. Uh, what is the BMI? CDC. I can't find it. Now I'm curious. <laughs> I'll click on it at some point, but it might take me away from, well, let's see. Let's, let's take it away from my article and let's see where we go. We go to, oh, BMJ, I'm sorry, it's not BMI, it's BMJ. They had a, it was underlined. The BMJ COVID-19 researcher blows the whistle on data integrity issues in Pfizer's vaccine. And this goes, yeah, November 2021. All right, there we go. So look at that in a bit. Anyway, uh, where'd my article go? Put that one down here. Continue on with this one. Da-da-da. So that's BMJ. Uh, I'm getting a little caught up in the data here. Anyway, you get the idea. Okay, so there's going to be a lawsuit. Yeah, there's more to it. I'll just save it for now. I'll save you some of the details. But that's it. So Big Pharma's going to go to trial for fraud. Won't that be interesting? Piaggy? I know we're getting technical with this stuff today. Yeah, you are. Okay. And I'm going to have to leave. I can get... The uh, markets are open. I got to get to my trading. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. Okay. Thanks, Bianchi. Appreciate all your help today. Okay. All right. Let me just, I'll just uh, actually, I'll sum up here a little bit. Anybody else want to join us? Feel free. 215-383-3832. Unfortunately, live chat is not working today. You know, I've tried getting live chat working. I can't type a message. I can't do anything. So live chat is not working today. That's why you haven't been able to get through. So you got to call me if you want to, if you want to talk about any of this stuff. 215-383-3832. So I'm going to leave you with something here from the Defender, which I cannot post on Facebook because Facebook won't take Children's Health Defense, which is uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s um, magazine from his organization, Children's Health Defense. He says, new study blames COVID on NIH, that's the National Institute of Health, University of North Carolina, finds Fauci and Barrick, that's Dr. Barrick, fingerprints on pandemic bug. I think you'll find this very interesting by Robert Kennedy Jr., Jay Cooey, and Charles Rixley, Rix, Rixy, R-A-X-E-Y. As this critics have long questioned why the National Institutes of Health would fund experiments by the University of North Carolina of Chapel Hill, Professor Ralph Barrick, B-A-R-I-C, to develop a technique for hiding evidence of human tampering in laboratory-created superviruses. Oh, isn't that interesting? Develop a technique for hiding evidence of human tampering in laboratory-created superviruses. This is aided by some $220.5 million dollars the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID funding, Barrick developed. A, you know who runs that, right? That's Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fascist runs that, the NIAID. That's his organization. And he, what's his main job? Giving out money. What's he giving it to? Well, this is gain of function. This is what this is. That's what they're talking about. And this guy, Ralph Barrick, Dr. Barrick, developed a way to hide the fact that there were human beings engineering a virus so they would make it look like it occurred naturally pandemic. There it is. That's what this article is saying. Back to the article. Aided by some $220.5 million in National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases funding, Barrett developed a so-called, quote, seamless isolation technique, which he boasted 
could perfectly conceal all evidence of human tampering in laboratory-created viruses. Merrick nicknamed his invention the NOCEA method. <laughs> now, a new study, endonuclease fingerprint, uh, this is like a Judy uh, Mikevitz word, endonuclease fingerprint indicates a synthetic origin of SARS-CoV-2. Published on the preprint server BioRxiv, shows that apparently, unbeknownst to Barrick, the seamless ligation concealment gimmick leaves its own minute but legible signature. In other words, we know they did it. We can transfer back. We can tra- you know uh, trace it back to them. So what they when they created you know SARS-CoV-2, okay, and they thought they could get away with it because you couldn't trace it back to them. Well, guess what? You can. Article says, most momentously, these same researchers have discovered that damning signature in the genome of the virus that causes COVID-19. Barrick's technique has long been controversial. It's the artist that doesn't sign his name to the painting, the virologist that doesn't put his, his signature into the virus to let us know whether or not it is emerging naturally or whether it is produced in a laboratory. And that's from Jeffrey Sachs, chair of the Lancet COVID-19 Commission. Lancet's the biggest a medical magazine in Great Britain. Our biggest here is the um, New England Journal of Medicine. Anyway, so that's just says the Lancet COVID-19 Commission, a task force that investigated the origins of COVID-19. So England is investigating the origins. Are we investigating? No. The Geldings don't want to investigate it because they know where it comes from. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Ralph Barrick, and, and Anthony Fauci. Duh. <laughs> okay. Article says this month, Sachs published the results of this 22-month investigation in The Lancet, including the damaging conclusion that COVID-19 was probably, la- probably, <laughs> remember that ad on the radio? Huh. What's the most uh, misused word in the English language? Probably. COVID-19 was probably laboratory generated and that the technology probably, <laughs> you know, came from the NIH funding science. See, this is where a great congressional hearing this televised would be really good about now, okay, or after the Geldings take office, but I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to investigate Anthony Fauci. If they do, it's going to be a sham. They're going to ask him really tough questions like, did you uh, use gain of function to create uh, COVID-19 in the laboratory? Why, no, I didn't. Why are you asking me that question? As Fauci would say. All right, and that'll be it. Oh, okay, move on. Next question. Thank you. <laughs> Please. This month, they published a study. Okay, referring to Barrick's seamless ligation methodology, evolutionary biologist Brett Weinstein, W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N, observed, and here's his quote, it is the exact opposite of what you would do if your interest was public health. Public health scientists would be marking their enhancements with red flags, not, deceiving, not uh, devising ways to hide them. The only reason you would want, to conce- want a concealer is to advance a sinister purpose such as illegal bioweapons development, some mischief that the scientists didn't want traceable back to his lab. Gee, what a surprise. So what they're saying is, very clearly, that COVID-19, the virus that creates it, uh, is a bioweapon created in a lab in North Carolina with National Institute for Health funding directly from Anthony Fauci to Dr. Barrick, okay? And here it is, and the fingerprints are there. They found the ability to trace it. It's in the Defender, uh, and you can get their website. Robert Kennedy Jr. has this article. The date of the article is 1021. So, no, five days ago. Okay? 1021-22 in the Defender. You can find this article. Pretty simple stuff, right? Easy to find. You can read it for yourself. I'm not making this up. 
He says, Barrick taught his NOCEA method to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Oh, isn't that a surprise? Bat Lady, the one, one of our heroes, Shi Zheng Li in 2016. In return, Barrick received Chinese coronavirus collected by Shi from bats in Yunnan province. Scientists have linked COVID-19's genome pedigree to closely related bats. So I guess, I'm not sure how this all works, but I guess they took the back the bat stuff. This is the Wuhan connection, okay? So it was developed here, and then they did something with bats and, and, and put it over there, and I guess that was the way that they tried to hide it that way. We'll find out. She and her colleagues, this is back to the article, at the Wuhan Institute subsequently demonstrated their mastery of Barrick's high-risk technique in a series of published and highly controversial gain-of-function experiments at the Wuhan lab. Why would they do it in Wuhan, China? Well, because China's communist. They can do anything they want. Can't do it here. It would be traceable. Or even if it wasn't traceable, they thought it wasn't traceable. We now find out it is. And, it, and here, it was illegal. In fact, Barack Obama even stopped <clears throat> gain-of-function research, if I remember. Good for him. He did something right. Article says it has been even more puzzling to his critics that Barrick, again with NIAID funding, that's from Dr. Fascist, chose to share this dangerous technique for weaponizing pathogens with Chinese scientists who have clear links to the Chinese military. Well, that's what's called a bioweapon. It's being developed by the military, for the military, of the military, by the military, to use on other countries. That's insane. You never give this stuff to Chinese communists unless you're bought by Chinese communists like one Joe Biden. Article says, experts say that the implications of this new study could be far-reaching. By pointing the finger at Barrick, the study raises the possibility of potentially devastating liability for the NIAID and the University of North Carolina and other parties. Scientists, including those close to Dr. Anthony Fauci, who we affectionately call Dr. Fascist, have repeatedly joined, uh, pointed out that SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, has genomic sequences that appear inconsistent with the natural evolution. The COVID-19 virus is no longer infectious in bats, and it's in its spiked, uh, so let's slow it down again, and its spiked protein feature, which is unknown in this family of coronavirus, includes numerous mutations that make it ideally infectious to humans. Hear that? Ideally infectious. That's insane, too. Okay? So the spike proteins are really what are the dangers of the coronavirus. Coronaviruses don't normally have spike proteins on the outside. The spike proteins were added. It's the spike proteins that cause the heart enlargement, the blood clots, the, the strokes, and all that other nasty stuff. So the spike proteins are the problem. But obviously, they don't, they don't occur naturally. So if they wanted to make you know, COVID more infectious, they had to add the spike proteins. What is that called? Well, it's called gain of function. You're, you're increasing the function of the virus. You're making it stronger and more deadly. You've gained, you know, more function. That's where it comes from. Back to the article. The closest known coronavirus relative, a coronavirus from the Wuhan lab, is 96.2% identical to SARS-CoV-2. Isn't that interesting? The peculiar spike accounts almost completely, the spike accounts, the peculiar spike accounts almost completely for the entire 3.8% difference. Oddly, there are multiple novel mutations in the spike and almost none in the rest of the genome. Okay, I'm going to leave this article here. It's just going to get technical from here on out. You guys can read it. See for yourself. Do I want to cover more articles? Yeah, probably not. I think I'm pretty much done with this. We've, we've covered uh, everything I want to cover. And nobody on the line. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I've, uh, I think we've covered as much as I want to today. There's more. Uh, there's more stuff here. Um, but um, I'll leave it for another day. Uh, so I'll just play a couple things and, and be on. Is there anything short I can play for you? Now I guess that's it. Yeah, I used to play the uh, Finding Moments pieces, but um, unfortunately we're no longer being sponsored uh, by those folks, which is too bad because I really like making those. 
Uh, that was a good time. All right, so let's let's leave it here for today. And tomorrow is Wednesday, so we have Bill Fecky. We have uh, with the Fecky report. We have uh, Wendy Arthur with the Oh My God report. And after that, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think we have a lot of open time. So again, we've we've had some changes in the show. Some folks have left us. So we actually have two hours tomorrow, eight and nine, uh, that are open. Should be fun. I'll have more stuff for you then. But anyway, I think we've we've pretty much covered everything we want to cover. So just to sum up. I think, I really believe this, that uh, product liability um, is going to be, uh, immunity is going to be gone. I think Big Pharma will be held uh, to account, but it's going to require everybody to send in our bill. So the way to find our bill is you go to writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writelaws, writeyourlaws.com. You go to legislation on the menu bar. It's the second item over. You drop down to where it says all proposed laws. That's the third item down. You click on all proposed laws and you look through and you'll find very quickly near the top vaccine product liability restoration. You'll also find the end of big tech censorship and you'll find a bunch of other things that are already on their way to various legislators. I should probably put a press release on this one more time. So we've got death of product liability. We covered that. Covered Leslie Jordan. Um, The only other thing that is happening, uh, let me see, we've got Kevin McCarthy. We covered that. And the British have a new prime minister, but I'll save that for another day. And there's a Christian bakery. This is kind of interesting, too, just uh, for one last story. Another state, you know, California this time instead of Oregon, has gone after a Christian bakery, you know, because they won't make a gay wedding cake. All right. And guess who won? The bakery. <laughs> the bakery won. So that's, that's a good sign. So, so things are happening there. That's pretty cool. All right. So that's it for the news. So let's, let's bring this, we'll come back tomorrow. Something totally different. Who knows? You know, we do some crazy stuff here. Let me leave you with a little exciting music, a couple of other things. And I'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. And this will be the Wednesday show. And I will talk to you then. Biden's dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country.
Hello, everyone. It's that time of year again. So here is just a friendly little message from your Action Radio revolutionaries. In preparation for Christmas and New Year's, we have just a few ideas and suggestions to make your holiday complete. Granted, these are times of adversity brought about by bureaucrats in what we affectionately call the leftist lockdown orgasmic power trip. But don't let a completely illegal, martial law style abdication and removal of your constitutional rights get in the way of a decent glass of eggnog with friends. After all, six-foot social distancing is a completely false concept for a virus that can linger in the air for hours in aerosol form, can be sneezed well over 200 feet, can travel through an entire 10-story building central air system in a couple of minutes, and goes through a mask like a mosquito through a chain-link fence. So, no matter what you do, everyone is getting exposed sometime. Leaving the healthy people alone accomplishes this in about 10 weeks. So, this should have been done the end of May. Speaking of masks, besides being a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights against seizure of your person, in this case, your face, without due process, the state can't make you wear a mask. So, go home if you're sick, but if not, go free face, as all real Americans are doing, and enjoy the Christmas season. Apparently, there is a deplorable lack of New Year's resolutions this year. Well, I have one, hmm, to resist. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to restore and rejuvenate that inner rugged individual the left has tried so hard to put behind a mask and lockdown, and I'm going to resist. So, you find a creative way to resist, there's your revolution resolution. Remember, folks, those Twilight Zone episodes where people wore masks? They were supposed to make you think, not make you copy them. Family values should be emphasized this Christmas with the traditions that bind us together. Sit as close as you can at dinner. Remember those wet kisses from Grandma when you were a kid? Engage in spirited debates. Don't forget to use serving dishes where everyone sticks their own personal fork and spoon in, all in the interest of sharing. Remind everyone that closing churches violates the First Amendment. Closing businesses without criminal convictions violates our Fifth Amendment right to life, liberty, and property. And closing schools denies our kids their right to an education. So, you may want to point that out to your governors and mayors this festive season so they understand their transgressions and can repent. I would have suggested you go to New York this year, but quite frankly, they don't have the balls to celebrate New Year's. (laughs) No, really, the ball isn't dropping. Maybe we should rename Times Square Tiananmen Square West. Remember that there are many great gifts you can share this Christmas, particularly AR-15s and AK-47s. Those tend to warm the heart. As we say at Action Radio, world peace through strength. Just remember that everything the government tells you is wrong. So if you want to avoid COVID, don't take the vaccine. Go to the beach instead. Get that sunshine and vitamin D. Stay away from home. Engage in commerce and business. Travel as much as you can. Work out at crowded gyms. Drive extensively, preferably with the windows open. Patronize businesses that are in open rebellion. And resist, resist, resist the doctor dictatorship. In closing, let me just say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Hanukkah. Muslims, you don't have a holiday at this time, so just go eat Chinese food on Christmas Eve and meet some really nice Jewish folks. Hey, they might be your neighbors. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio. Okay, for those who don't know, I made that Christmas of 2020. So we just uh, uh, we we had the whole spring and the whole summer lockdowns, and then the uh, the, the 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 jab is about to come out. 
and the mandates and everything else like that. So that's a couple of years old, but it shows you where we were. And so I'll, I may have a new Christmas screen this year. I don't know. But anyway, I wanted to explain that uh, just to get a little timeline. When some of the references we don't have anymore, and they're thinking, but we don't have mandates like that. We don't have masks that we don't, you know, what well, we did. And I want you to remember that. So Merry Christmas and welcome to the rebellion. And I'll be back tomorrow. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. 